episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on June the 6th, 2017. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, the trifecta in and of himself. That doesn't sound right. What, what, what are you calling me fat here? Yes. Oh, alright. As long as we're clearing that up. Caffeine rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we played. Take-Two's CEO says the company is under-monetizing its users. More than just skin, how hentai games are seducing new audiences. Oh, my. We'll be discussing Steam Direct and some upcoming Steam Store updates. For Honor has lost 95% of its player base. Battleborn goes free-to-play, sort of. No Man's Sky is still in development, question mark. Evolve, that is the land software, not the game, shuts down. We'll have our weekly community corner and our weekly Steam Discovery queue. And as always, timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rachel. Yeah, you made it. (laughs) I did. I did. I only messed up once, and that's because you interrupted me. Well, we can't have you uh, get it right all the time. Uh, Yeah, I've I've been on a good streak, though. (laughs) The last... What five or six episodes we've recorded? I haven't made any mistakes at all in the the intro, so that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So that's probably my best streak ever. I wonder if I should feel guilty about ending it. Ah, it doesn't. It's not like I wouldn't mess up at some point, anyways. <laughs> oh, so uh, I've been. Okay, I'm still struggling with my YouTube channel, but that's yeah, you know, that, that's for the end of the show for me to pitch about more than anything else, really. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, outside of that, just really uh, well, it's mostly been YouTube stuff lately. I know, exciting times, exciting times, the most exciting times. Well, I mean, I haven't had very much going on either. Just work stuff. I got a fidget spinner. I'm gonna spin it next to the mic. Let's see what the waveform does. Oh, I didn't spin it. Good enough. Uh, not really sure if it's being picked up, except when I'm talking. But uh, I definitely hear it. I'll stop that. It's hard to hard to tell because I've got some noise gate in Audacity separately from my other stuff. But I oh, see. So yeah, I run the noise gate after the fact, not before, not during. Usually, I do it after too, just to catch anything. But that's on kind of a case-by-case basis, but... Yeah, but I also it, do a lot more audio editing than you. True. I know, but any, I, that, that's uh, that's rather contrary to what you would expect, since you are the almighty editor, but I'm the one that does a lot more post-processing on my audio. <laughs> you do. You do. Um, but yeah, we got a box of these at the office to give to clients and stuff, and I was like, yeah, I think I'll have one of those. But I'm going to buy it. Um... That's really, like, one of the highlights of my week, I guess. I've been putting together this server PC for, like, a few weeks now, and I've got it all put together and ready to go. I just have to plug it up and reinstall Windows on it. Yeah, let me know when you get the the fidget cubes instead. (laughs) I'd love to have a fidget cube, but I couldn't use it because I'd sit here, click, 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 (laughs) click. I couldn't couldn't do it while we record. Um, But anyways, yeah. I built... I built this server machine, and I'm just, like, 
I, I want to take people to take bets on how long it's going to last, because basically I cobbled together a RAID drive from like a dozen or so hard drives that I bought at like a liquidation sale for a, a local business. I had to go through them and like inspect them all, and they all passed smart tests, but they're like all different brand hard drives, and you're not supposed to build a RAID like that, but I thought, well, hell, why not? Let's give it a shot. I'm basically like, tinkering has always been with PCs has always been something I've enjoyed, but now that I have an office and more room and Uh-oh. a little bit more money and a little <laughs> bit more time, I just want to start tinkering with all kinds of stuff. I I, uh, I tweeted, I think it was over the weekend, it might have been late last week, that I was going to mod my Wii U because it never gets used, so I was like, if I break it, who cares? Well, uh, Nintendo didn't care about the Wii U either, so... That's very true. Patreon. So I'm looking forward to doing some of that in the, the coming weeks. I got to get myself a little like workstation or table something set up in here, but we're still storing some junk in our office. I think the Revenant. bigger bet should be uh, not on the server machine, but just how long do you end up with something like a 3D printer? Oh, man. I've always wanted a 3D printer. I just haven't had the money to afford one. But maybe. Maybe this year or next year once we pay our mortgage down a little bit. But... Yep, I've been on Craigslist shopping for computer parts and stuff. Just like, hmm, that looks not fried. I'll give that a shot. <laughs> yeah, is your local Craigslist actually decent on computer stuff? Because mine sucks. Yeah, Chattanooga is close enough that it like gets included in the, the radius thing uh, by default. So I'm picking up a lot of stuff from Chattanooga and Cleveland. I mean, if you just zoom in on Dayton only, it sucks, but I'm willing yeah, to drive well, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, Mr. Mon is either people that have no idea what the hell they're doing and yeah, uh, just trying to sell decade-old hardware for current prices. Yeah. Or college kids are, are you know, trying to make an extra buck and you know, they're also jacking up the prices. Yeah. But then again, that's what happens when you live in the butt crack of the world. <laughs> huh. That's some odd background noise on my waveform. I wonder if that's the fan. It usually doesn't make any noise, but... Well, we piled a bunch of stuff in here getting ready for our yard sale. It might have changed the acoustics of the room. Weird. Ah, well. I'll deal with it in post. Yeah, you won't deal with it live. Nope. Nope. <laughs> so... What game did you play this week, Rach? Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this one. Yeah, I only... Well, I played a couple. Uh, a few of them I played for the YouTube channel and just... Uh, well, I'll get to that later. And I did spend a little bit of time with Faria. It had its uh, big summer update. And I'm going to talk more about that next week because the summer update launched just a couple hours ago from what I could tell. And I want to have some time with it. But the Sunday Sampler... I got my grubby little paws on a review copy of Everspace. Yeah, lucky bastard. <laughs> I wanted I wanted one of those. Uh, I didn't get it from Keymailer, that's the thing. Oh, did you do it the old-fashioned way? You contacted PR or... No, got it from another site that you don't know about. Oh, fancy. <laughs> Maybe someday you'll learn all my secrets. Fair nah. enough. Okay, so Everspace. This, think of it as essentially parts of three different games. You have, essentially, sort of the space combat from Freelancer, because it really recommends mouse and keyboard for flight. 
you have the upgrade system from Rogue Legacy, and you have the map system from FTL, Faster Than Light. And it doesn't do any of them particularly well, for the most part. I think the best way it does things is the changes that it made to Rogue Legacy's upgrade system. Uh, and we'll, we'll just go uh, through these in sequence, and then uh, I'm sure you'll jump in at certain points and uh, ask me different questions. My, my Sunday sampler was like 40-some minutes on this, and that's me condensing things as well. So I have a feeling we're going to talk about this for a while. Uh, right. The- well, before you even start, I want to ask a question. Uh, it recommends mouse and keyboard over like a joystick or flight stick or control, like, because I want to play this game with my flight stick. Well, you are so out of luck. Oh, okay. It has zero joystick support right now. Oh, well, fuck. It says it's got full controller support. I assume that's for Xbox and yeah, PS4 and yeah, Steam it is. And I'll be perfectly honest. I didn't try it because of how the combat handles. Because, I'll be perfectly honest, it does not feel like a space flight sim. At all. Okay. Uh, Which will... uh, Okay, let's just jump ahead to combat, since you want to talk about combat. Okay, uh, the the best uh, comparison I have to it would be something like uh, uh, Freelancer, because... Both of them use the uh, mouse and keyboards uh, system, where uh, the mouse essentially is your uh, joystick and your uh, WADS uh, WASD is uh, controls uh, lateral movement and your throttle, with uh, Q and E also controlling rotation. Okay. The biggest difference I have with this between Freelancer and this is the sense of really distance and how the combat handles in general. A lot of things tend to have turrets on them or are able to spin on a dom. And because of that, it doesn't feel like you're trying to uh, navigate in behind something to uh, get out of its arc of fire and shoot it. It feels like you're uh, essentially in a 3D first-person shooter or third-person, depending on which camera you're using. I actually prefer the third-person because of some of the other stuff that they have going on with the flight and uh, just how they have how you have to gather resources. But because of that, and the fact that everything comes in so damn close, where you are practically scraping paint off of your enemies, literally. A matter of fact, if you're playing on normal or hard difficulty. Most of the, your damage may come from just enemies ramming you as they try to fly past you in sub-100 meter distances. As a matter of fact, most of the enemies that spawn in, or sorry, warp in, do so within a kilometer of you. It, it changes the feel of combat so much because of that. Between that and the fact that it seems like everything is constantly able to shoot at you. I really didn't care for the combat at all. Maybe it's just because I was going into it wanting to have something that felt like Freelancer or felt like another space combat game, but this felt nothing like that. I'm sorry I'm uh, being such a wet blanket on this already. (laughs) No, that's fine. I'm just listening and and thinking. Uh, And, uh, well, I also mentioned that uh, uh, the reason why I went to third person was that there's a lot of... uh, Right, precision flight 
a lot of this game is comes down to resource management in your crafting and also uh, be able to repair yourself because uh, the crafting system is broken down into I want to say nearly a dozen different resources things from just nanobots which are essentially uh, your uh, repair kits or you know whatever you want to call it uh, to different resources of varying degrees of rarity and most of this is found either in asteroid fields or yeah, just off enemies. As a matter of fact, that's where most of it's found. But in asteroid fields, uh, typically you have to go find the larger asteroids and fly into them in either natural or man-made uh, cave systems, to, depending on you know, just how the asteroid spawns because, you know, different tile sets. These, this is a roguelite, by the way. This isn't a uh, space flight sim, you know, like Freelancer, where it's a open world game. But yeah, you should have figured that out from yeah, me mentioning FTL. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask what exactly are the roguelike roguelite elements of this game? Uh, think of it as essentially FTL, where you, the entire thing is to get to the end of the uh, of the map system, where okay. uh, each uh, sector is broken down into a pathway that has essentially, I, I think three or four different uh, tiers of nodes and you have a choice sometimes of which ones to go to but you always have to progress forward and it also has the FTL system of if you spend too long in a particular system in a particular uh, node a, a enemy fleet will warp in and kick your ass and depending on the difficulty that could be a very very short time which makes it the entire exploration thing feel yeah very contradictory well i talked about this game being contradictory on a lot of fronts because they want you to go explore they want you to go mine stuff they want you to go uh get your resources but you're on such a tight time limit particularly whenever you have uh the difficulty on even normal and also yeah you're constantly having to try to find fuel sometimes it shows up as a mineable resources most of the time you get it from uh, ships, but ships just do so much damage, and because they come in so close, and uh, ramming damage is just so off the charts if you're not playing on easy, it just feels like you know, you're banging your head against the wall. But that may be you know, part of the of roguelite element where they want you to uh, grind and grind and grind and get on that treadmill and try to essentially fill out the rogue legacy style of... Uh, power tiers is there anything that carries over after you lose yes, there and have is, to start over there is a couple things one it, well I mentioned Regulacy a couple times it has the system where as you uh, progress through the game you gain credits and this is also what you use in traders so it actually once again feels very contradictory okay you can uh, stop at a trader and you know pick up uh, some stuff and uh, maybe be able to craft something and uh, get further but this is also dipping into the funds that you use for your overall progression. Yeah, kind of strange there. And uh, at the end of the run, whatever credits you have left over, uh, you go in and uh, have, I want to say like 20 different upgrades that you could do. And some of them are also ship-based. So the Interceptor has uh, one set of upgrades. The uh, gunship has another and the gunship and the scout the two other ships also have to be bought with credits as well and any credits that you have left over after you uh, buy all your upgrades and start your next run are lost which I 
absolutely hate that system. I hate so, it with a burning passion. You have to use all your credits. You cannot save up. If uh, you start to hit a power plateau like I did in Rogue Legacy, where you know you're just having bad luck, it's you know, it's a complete waste of time. Granted, this one does. Uh, this game does seem to try to curtail that somewhat, where some of the more expensive upgrades are bought in sections or bought in payments where yeah the first part is like 200 credits the next one's 400 next one's 600 and next one's a thousand or something like that you know something along those lines so you're not having to dump you know four thousand six thousand credits on a single upgrade you are able to buy in sections but that still leaves it where you know if you have a bad run or if you know you got all the cheap stuff well yeah it's still a complete waste of time Right, and also something else that uh, is your general progression. There's uh, actually two rare drops that you get. One is blueprints, which uh, after the run is over unlocks the crafting system. Uh, well, another uh, thing in the crafting system, and the blueprints are exceptionally rare, to the point where in five or six runs I only found three or four, and that was uh, the and I was finding most of them on the longer runs after I. I bumped it down to easy. And I have no idea just how many blueprints are in this game, but if you want to have missiles, you're going to have to you know, use the ones that you have the blueprints for, or, you know, you run out. Uh, if you want to use consumables, well, you're limited to what you have blueprints for, or, you know, go trade and, you know, cut into your overall progression. It just it feels very contradictory, you know? And that's not even getting into the fact that the crafting system also feels like it punishes you if you craft too much uh, because of the way the damage is done. Because there's essentially two uh, life bars, sort of. You have your overall uh, whole health, and if that goes down to zero, you're screwed. You're dead. But there's also system damage that could happen, where if your shields go down and every time you get hit you have a chance that system damage could occur to you. And some of this is a death sentence. If your life support is gone, you have less than five minutes to restore it or you're dead. And it not only requires the nanobots, but it also requires other resources. So if... uh, I I can't remember, remember if it uses the same resources or not, but let's say I just replenished all my missiles and used up a bunch of my resources. Well... Next encounter, I get uh, my shields knocked down and I take one extra hit and lose my life support. You know, just bad luck. And I don't have the resources and there's no resources around me. I am fucked. And that is just not fun. Hmm. And on top of that, also my best run was ended <coughs> because I had a random encounter where I came into a uh, area that had a battleship in it. And it had a jump suppressor that wasn't letting me leave. So I had two choices. Either fight the battleship or, well, fight the battleship. And I didn't have a loadout built for that. Maybe that's something that, you know, if uh, it was later in my progression, you know, I had more blueprints, I would be able to, you know, craft something or, you know, make the badass missile that would, you know, one-shot it. But, you know, it's just not very fun that, okay, I'm doing all right well, well there's a corvette well you're screwed because you don't have the uh, the blueprints for it or the upgrades needed 
Yeah. I, I'm hearing a lot of elements that have been borrowed from other uh, games yeah. well, well, in this genre. Yeah. Well, well the three main ones are uh, FTL, freelance, freelancer, particularly for how they're handling the uh, mouse and keyboard control. Uh, and, uh, well, uh, Ro- well, Rogue Legacy, FTL, and uh, Freelancer. Those are the three major ones I can think of just off the bat. You're describing a lot of aspects yeah, the, the, of Elite Dangerous as well, which yeah. I, know, I don't think you've played that game. Yeah, I have. But I'm yeah. hearing some Elite Dangerous stuff in there as well, uh, talking about, like, losing life support and system damage and all that sort of stuff. Because mm-hmm. um, there's... It's, I mean, I'm sure they're out there, but I'm not aware of very many other space games in this, this sort of... Uh, like I said, the main reason why I go FTL with this over is something more modern, uh, like Elite Dangerous. Well, one, I haven't played Elite Dangerous, but also just how it handles. It just feels yeah. like, it, it, a lot of this feels like they borrowed ideas from various games, but didn't get why those systems worked. Uh, with the exception of the Rogue Legacy upgrade system, because I, uh, if they have to have the Rogue Legacy system, Fine. They did it all right. Where, uh, you know, they broke up some of the bigger purchases into smaller purchases. That, that works a lot better than how Rogue Legacy did it. But, uh, the crafting system, I just don't really care for, particularly because, uh, the blueprints are just so rare. And granted, you know, uh, 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 the, the difficulty system feels very weird as well because normal mode, you're just taking so much damage, but easy mode, uh, it, you have a lesser chance to get blueprints and uh, it does cut into your credits but you are able to go to get so much further and it allows you to see the story and yes this actually has a story to it which is a little strange for a roguelite game because typically the roguelite genre uh, a story is either a just the setting or you know a little bit of a uh, flavor to it but this has actually fairly a deep story for the genre the problem with that is that well you're kind of uh you're kind of uh forced to go read the codex if you haven't played in a while because you get the encounters once so if you're coming back to this you'll uh have it where you know you have no idea what's going on or you don't recall you know uh, what the uh story events that happened uh you know 30, 40 runs ago uh, were when the runs are actually fairly lengthy. Uh, matter of fact, I would say a few hours for a, a successful run. That's pretty long in comparison to most roguelike games. Yeah, but this is also... Usually runs yeah, are... Yeah, this is broken up into... Uh, uh, each system has an autosave uh, as you enter it, so it does have a natural breaking point. Okay. And you also have to uh, 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 watch your fuel like an FTL because if you Try to jump without fuel. Guess what? System damage. <laughs> I, I will say that you probably would like this a lot more because of the emphasis on the mining. And I know how you love to go mine stuff. I don't know. I mean, you're saying there's time limits and they're yeah. pretty restrictive. I don't like to be... F- yeah, I would say... Uh, well, in easy mode, I would say probably uh, 10 minutes for a system. Uh, I'm not. I'm just purely guessing on that. In which That sounds like a lot of time. You know, 10 minutes, but... That doesn't here, sound like very much time at all, actually. Oh well, uh, well, the maps aren't huge, but here's the kicker: is that there's no map screen, there's no local map screen. Everything is controlled by the HUD in your system, in your sensor range, 
which makes mm. it so that it, it can be very difficult to keep track of things or you'll just get cluttered. Right. It, it, there's just so it's one of those games that it feels like they borrowed a lot of stuff, but they never really understood you know, what made it great. Uh, I know I've said that before, but it, it just feels very bit, uh, meddling. It, it it doesn't feel like a great game, but it doesn't feel like a terrible game. But it's just kind of middle of the road. Right. I mean, I'm hearing some things that I like, and I'm hearing some things that I'm going, nope, not interested <laughs> in that at all. Yeah, I mean, I'd I, have to play it, but I don't want to spend what is it, thirty bucks? Yeah, yeah, it's a thirty dollar game. It, it feels a lot more expensive than what it uh, should be. That that's it. It is a very pretty game, but for the most part, I mean, I, it does look gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, I did notice that there was some odd level of detail things going on, uh, particularly with uh, the asteroids that you usually have to either fly very close to or in. As a matter of fact, yeah. there was a, a one point in my video I noticed that. There was a seam on the asteroid, you know, well, not really a seam, but, you know, just a hard uh, line from the shadows uh, where uh, there's a, a, like a little ridge uh, in the geometry. And if I yeah. flew close to it, the ridge jumped. <laughs> and it was a very noticeable jump and a very set range. So I would back up and go forward and I could just see it jump left and right on, on the asteroid, which was kind of funny. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know how I... I mean, this has been on my wish list for forever, ever since I saw it in early access. Um, and well, I'm also a lot tougher on games than you. That's the thing. You you are, but I'm definitely hearing some aspects that I, I don't think I would like. Uh, I don't like it, it the idea like, of being rushed. Yeah. Yeah, the fact that... Yeah, the the first time that I had the uh, well enemy fleet come in, I, the Orkin, Orca, whatever, you know, uh, big uh, big bad guys, uh, warp in. It's like, oh, it's one of those games. I also don't like that they don't have joystick support. I mean, it says that they're going to be adding it, yeah, like just in future updates, but. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, supposedly the version of, uh, I believe this is the Unreal Engine, just didn't support it, which, how can you build a space combat game and not have joystick support? I know. That seems it, ridiculous to me, but, oh, well, especially a game like this, yeah. where that it's all about space, you know, you're flying your, your fighter, basically. Yeah, but you can see why I didn't bother with the controller, because... Uh, everything is just, well, literally in your face. You need that uh, quick, uh, uh, just snap controls. Yeah. I mean, I would say a majority of combat takes place under 250 meters. Which is very close for these types of games. Uh, I mean, that's literally in your face. And uh, there's several times that the enemy will just fly right past you in uh, sub-100, I would say sub-50 at times, up meters. Well, I mean, in the the trailer for the game, there's a couple of shots where the enemy ships crash into the player ship because yeah, they just fly too close. Trust me, that happens a lot, actually. <laughs> and it does feel like a lot a lot of the AI it handles about the same. There's no real change. It just uh, feels more like the damage and the uh, uh, shields go uh, way way up as you progress. Hmm. trying to think if there's anything else I really need to talk about on this because yeah it's uh, I, I 
you know, this this has so many elements of games I absolutely love. It just the it, I, I'm going to borrow a line from uh, the do a season of Samurai Jack. All the elements are there, but it lacks balance. Yep. Oh, oh, something I else. Could... I, I nearly forgot about this. The access keys. Oh, what the fuck were they thinking with the access keys? What are what is that? Okay. Think of it as, uh, you know how in, uh, well, typically roguelites, there's some sort of loot chest, you know, uh, you, uh, you come across a locked uh, chest. Okay. Uh, they appear in this as access keys or access lock boxes or whatever. The only way to get an access key is to kill an elite enemy. And elite enemies are rare. Even more rare if you're in uh, easy mode, you know, obviously, but there's been times that I came across a, uh, an access box, even playing in a normal mode, and I never even saw an elite enemy, and there was no way for me to open that box. None. It's just stupid. Well, that sucks. You would think that, yo, I'm in a ship with giant lasers. I should be able to at least cut into it. Do you think that if you're playing on higher difficulties, that it would be easier to get into them? Like no, because I think you would pretty much instantly get, get killed. Because there was a couple times that I would jump into a system and I would just get mobbed by enemies. I mean, just right off the bat. Which was incredibly frustrating. As a matter of fact, I had a run just completely in because I jumped into a system, you know, full shields, full health. And there was, I would say, three or four enemies just staying there waiting for me on warp in. It feels like they need to go in. It feels odd saying that they need to work on this game when it was an early access title. This should have been uh, fixed ages ago. But there you go. <laughs> uh, it's just... Uh, what were they thinking? I, I think I think a lot of this is that they're trying to bank on uh, on virtual reality sales, on VR sales, because this is a VR title. Or has VR support, I should say. And it feels very strange to say that it's a VR game, but they ignored HOTAS. Doesn't it? Yeah, which is, I mean, that's hugely important, especially in VR, because obviously you can't see what's going on around you. And not that you can't use a keyboard or a mouse in VR, but it becomes more difficult. Especially if you're, like, trying to do things really quickly, and it's like, oh shit, I got my hands off of the home the home keys. Uh yeah, I mean, you this know, would trying have been to find like that the with your perfect, fingers. Uh, Hotas VR game, yeah, but yeah, it isn't because you know, the Hotas support, at least not yet. Right. Uh, is there anything else that you want to uh, ask me on this? Uh, uh, I'm kind of coming up uh, towards the end of things. I don't think so. I mean, I've butted in whenever I've wanted to ask a question or make a comment. So, yeah, I'm just looking at the store page to see if there's anything else. Uh, I will say that the maps uh, uh, feel a little bit small, but yeah, with the time limit, it, it, that may be a good thing because uh, usually there's, I would say, a good two or three uh, set pieces per map, and that's probably uh, including a chance for friendly uh, or I should I shouldn't say friendly, but neutral uh, uh, bases or neutral ships to spawn in. Yeah. And typically, the, uh, what happens is you come into a map, uh, you look around, see, okay, well, I see 
a uh, wreck over in the distance. Uh, fly towards that, uh, pick up everything. Uh, and all, and the loot range is also exceptionally small in this, where th- there's just so much of fine control in uh, flight that you have to do. You know, going into asteroids, going uh, past stuff. There's just, there is upgrades that you could get to extend your range, but it also eats up precious slots for upgrades as well. So it's just one of those things that everything feels like they either have things too too condensed or too short a range. I mean, literally everything. (laughs) Except for the uh, gameplay, because it seems like, uh, I would say, like I said, two or three hours per run. I was getting uh, in a I think Sector 5, uh, towards the end of Sector 5 is when I hit that brick wall of the Corvette. Now it's at the like hour and a half mark. Right. So I would say about two, two and a half hours is probably uh, the full game or a full run. I'm not sure what the ending is. And uh, the thing is also, after you get past certain story missions, as a matter of fact, there's one story, a uh, little cutscene that's this big battle. That, you know, it can be a run-ender if you're having uh, power issues. Oh, that's something else, is that everything is tied to a single a singular power bar, <laughs> which is interesting. Oh, so weapons, shields, everything? Uh, uh, shields are their own thing, but uh, weapons, consumables, all weapons, I should say, even weapons that shouldn't be uh, 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 powered, uh, are powered. Like, the Gatling gun eats up your power bar like you wouldn't believe. Hmm. I've seen games do that before, though, and sometimes it works out, sometimes it yeah, doesn't. But, yeah, but power gen- regeneration, at least when you first start off, is very slow. Granted, there is a lot of upgrades to uh, work on that. And I was also running the uh, the basic ship. I never bought one of the upgraded ships. But the up- uh, the upgraded ships, the it's really you know, kind of uh, just uh, the different overall classes. You have the Interceptor, which is your jack-of-all-trades. Then you have the gunship, which is your tanky ship, but it it lacks shields. That's a weird thing. It has it supposedly has this forward shield thing. I've never played it though, but the fact that it lacks a proper shield when everything oh that's something else I just remembered is the combat uh, in the combat. What happens? Uh, let's pick literally any other space game. You get okay. shot. What do you see on the screen? Um, usually your shield flickers, you'll get an indicator showing you the direction where the attack came from. Guess what? Uh, unless that... I completely missed it, no direction indicator whatsoever. Well, that sucks. That's pretty much standard game design for any game that involves you getting shot. Yeah, and there was a couple times that I got shot by a missile turret that was on an asteroid that didn't show up on uh, the radar until after it launched a missile at me. And it got a secondary shot on me because, okay, I saw my shields just flicker. Where did that come from? Unless right. I completely missed the direction indicator, which is possible, because there's a lot of flickering uh, UI elements. There, there's a lot of noise in the UI that maybe I just overlooked it, which is entirely possible. But it's just one of those things that there's just... If you want a space combat game, go play Elite, go play Freelancer. If you want uh, to play something with this type of map screen, go play FTL. If you want this upgrade system, go play Grow Legacy. Or, hell, go play Dead Cells. That did it a lot better as well. 
Okay, I'm done here. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'll probably watch TV's video. You said you guys were pretty close, but I'll still watch it anyways just to see if yeah, there's he anything did, he mentions he, that you yeah, missed. He, or... Yeah, he brought up uh, a lot more in the options where uh, – uh, uh, because I did watch his video after the fact. Uh, his video came out, well, today, Tuesday. Mine was Sunday. So, hey, I beat Total Biscuit. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> I beat a cancer patient to getting a video out. Well, I mean, you're crippled, so I think you are <laughs> you guys are, you know, in the same category there. Yeah, true. Uh, but uh, uh, he went into, uh, was talking about how the option screen makes it seem like the game is a little half-baked because it's pretty much standard uh, UI for uh, Unreal. And... Uh, something that I completely overlooked was the fact that the uh, the uh, options has a, a code on it showing what type of renderer the game is using. Yeah, uh, something that should be on the developer side of things and the development builds. Right. And that's something that I just never really paid attention to. So it feels like maybe they rushed this game out. Maybe. I'm not sure. It was in early access for a while, though. I don't remember exactly how long, but it's been on my wish list for a couple of years, probably. So, I have no idea. It's just it, it, there's just a lot of things that feels like they are not quite right. Only thing that I really liked about it was how they handled the uh, Rogue Legacy style upgrades, and that's yeah, just kind of meddling, yo. Know, Fine, it, 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 they're cutting down on power plateauing. They're not eliminating it because you know you still have the chance of. Well, this run uh, is a complete waste of time because I only got you know, 150, 200 credits. Yeah, yeah. I, I warped in, and all the enemies in the world just jumped me. Let's see, ever so, oh, so not a couple of years, but it's been on my wish list for over a year. So, um. Yeah, it's been early oh, access oh, there, for a oh, bit. There was one other uh, upgrade system that I completely overlooked. There was the glyphs that I never saw uh, uh, in six runs. I never saw one to drop. And Total Biscuit had 16 runs and only had uh, one drop. <laughs> and those are more overall game changers. You, know, you do more damage, but your uh, reactor charges slower. That sort of thing. And that's one Total Biscuit had. Uh but they're also uh, well. The one that he found was limited to a ship that he wasn't using. So it's there, there's a lot of rare drops that you could get. There's a lot of uh, uh, there's a lot of things to grind out and a lot of things to get on the treadmill for. If you really want a you know that uh, treadmill style game, but you also want your freelancer too. Yeah, I'll try it out at some point. I'm hoping I'll get a, a late review copy or something like that. Um, right. But I expect I'll buy it when it goes on sale at some point in the future for a lot less than $30. I might spend 15 10 15 bucks on it. I just am not sure. I definitely won't be buying it without joystick support, though. That's That's how I play these games. So Yeah, just keep talking because I got a train inbound. Yeah, probably the only space game that I don't play with a joystick is um, Starpoint Gemini. But there's just so much stuff that you need to do outside of just flying your ship 
that the joystick would just get in the way. And they do a really good job of, of automating things that uh, you would don't like, especially like when it comes to combat, that uh, that you would need the control of the joystick for. So, And the way I play too is pretty standoffish. I prefer carriers and things like that. So I'm rarely directly in combat. Well, they do have drones in this. Uh, I only played a, a little bit with them, but yeah, it, once again, the drones are, you know, sub fifty uh, meters from you. And uh, I actually ran into my own drone a couple times and shot my own drone because it would get so damn close to the enemy and, uh, to try to shoot it. Yeah, I think that's probably my biggest complaint about the combat. Well, that and the fact that it seems like no matter what a position you are on the enemy. Uh, it's more you're dodging missiles and trying to dodge their shots instead of trying to get into their blind spot and uh, you know, shoot them like a normal space combat game does. So a lot of it is, yeah, it feels very much like a, a shooter instead of a flight sim. Okay. And this also is very heavily uh, arcadey. This isn't uh, anything close. To, uh, this is more arcadey than Freelancer was. And Freelancer was pretty arcadey, so... Yeah, you could uh, go from full speed to stopping within two seconds. It's pretty fast. There's there's absolutely no momentum. There's no Newtonian physics. Even Freelancer had the ability to you know, uh, do a this weird flip around and kind of coast. There's none of that. It's all... It feels so much like a 3D or 3-axis uh, uh, first-person shooter. Than a, a, than a flight sim. Right. Well, like I said, I'll I'll check it out at some point. Yeah, sorry to be a wet blanket on a game that you really wanted. <laughs> nah, that's okay. I'd rather not waste money or time. I have so many other games to play. So, I'm fine with that. Yeah, and it seems like their first patch was mostly fixing VR stuff as well. So, yeah, that may tell you exactly where their priorities lie. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't necessarily blame them for trying to carve out that niche right now. There are so few yeah, full-fledged I, I, VR yeah, titles. Yeah, I completely understand because, yeah, the, uh, think of it. The VR titles full of games instead of experiences. What is there? Yeah. I mean, the big one everyone's talking about right now is uh, uh, the uh, Star Trek uh, Bridge Commander game. Right. Yeah, Jim and some other people just got that and they were talking about it on stream night uh friday so yeah i will say that, excited that, about that that looks very interesting but it's also a game that i would only want to play with friends and not randoms because it just seems like that's a game that would just infuriate me if i was trying to play it with random people i've heard that it's all right because most people that are there are are there because they want the experience not to just be trolls. I mean, you get one every once in a while, but I've heard mostly good things about the random community for Star Trek uh, Bridge Commander or whatever it's called. But I don't know. Haven't experienced it personally, so couldn't tell you for sure. Um, okay. Well, is it uh, my turn now? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so you had one game that was going to last a long time, and I have a bunch of games that won't last for very long. Um, so, cause most of them are games that we've played before, and I've talked about before, but for one reason or another, I've played them, and there's been some updates or changes or whatever. So, the first one that I want to talk about is Divinity. Um, 
So, I mean, we've talked about this game a lot. We've got our ongoing series on our YouTube channels about this game. But something happened the other night when we were recording that just kind of didn't exactly blow my mind, but it, it made me feel really good. And I've talked before about how good the crafting system is in Divinity and how it just makes sense. And, mm-hmm. you know, you would expect if you combine object A with object B that you'll get object C. Like, it just feels very flowing and natural. And uh, we took some time to actually go back to a town and... Yeah, only two finally... or three hours. Yeah, we really, yeah, it really was like two hours to go sort our inventories and all that jazz. And I was doing some crafting. And uh, all of the stuff that I was crafting was better, which makes sense. Like, functionally, that makes sense. Like, obviously, you level up. You get more points in your uh, in your skills and things. So, obviously, you're going to craft better things. But the way that Divinity handles it is so much better than other games. Like, typically in other games, which you made this point, Rage, that uh, you'll just get new crafting recipes to reflect, you know, your highest skill level or yeah, whatever. Yeah, you get... Uh- like wand recipe A would be you know, branch and uh, low level gem. Uh, wand recipe B would be branch and next level gem. Right, but in Divinity, just all of your recipes stay the same, but they're just better as you level up and get more points in your crafting skill and stuff. Cause, and I, I just like felt like that was awesome. Like I crafted a full suit or a suit of armor for you, your character, and my character that was better than anything that we'd found in terms of defensive rating and um elemental resistances and stuff and it's like oh i remember the last time i made something like this and it was terrible but i was low level and i didn't have so many points in crafting and and it all uses the exact same stuff i just made it out of materials that i've been carrying around for forever because i'm a a hoarder and a, a crafting person so it just it just felt really good and i mean we bitch a lot about how that this divinity has bugs and like what's our issue of the week and everything, but that game really <laughs> yeah. does get a lot of stuff right, and so I just wanted to mention like yeah, my that issue of the really week good. last week was uh, it started crashing when we got back into town, but yo, know, it was you sorting your inventory anyway. I was pretty much done. Yeah, yeah. So just wanted to just wanted to mention that. That's really all I had to say about Divinity. So I'll move on to my next game, which is War Thunder. We did uh, War Thunder for Stream Night on Friday. By we, and, we mean you. Oh uh, yeah. I just, it was uh, I, I, War Thunder. I think I need to be in a mood for, and it is very easy to get one shot and not have any idea what happened. Yeah, it was it was a pretty slow night. It was me and Jim and uh, Cube, and then Kyle showed up for a little while at one point and then left. So, um, but I mean, War Thunder has added the Italian army and oh, Air I didn't Force. Know that they added that. Yeah, it's it's pretty slim pickings. I mean, the Italians in World War Two used a lot of German stuff anyways. So there's some variations of German planes and tanks in the tech tree and a few of the actual uh, Italian tanks and, and planes in there, but it's pretty slim pickings. Um, it's neat. I, I like when they do things like that. They've also added a, uh, several different, or changed up the way that the categories work or the like the game modes. Uh, there's more options and things like that, and they're like running tournaments and stuff now. But... Um, Otherwise, the game feels pretty much the same. I don't know. We did planes, and we got trounced because we're real bad. We were mostly just talking and not paying attention to what we were doing. So we got royally screwed. And some guy showed up and, like, made fun of us for using – or made fun of me for using American planes. I was like, fuck you, dude. I'll <laughs> use whatever goddamn planes I want. 
Then he left the stream. That's just a random guy. Random guy, if you listen to our podcast, fuck you. I'll do what I want. You're not the boss of me. No, Katie is. Yeah, I was going to say, that's my wife. She's in the other room right now, so fuck you. Actually, she's probably asleep at this point. So yeah, that was War Thunder. <laughs> um, but after, in a little while, or after a little while, we got bored of War Thunder. It's like two hours in. And uh, somehow we got to talking about the Homeworld series. I don't remember how this came up. Uh, but we were talking about... Oh, no. I was t- So I'm going to put together a list of multiplayer games. I may have mentioned this last week. I don't remember. But put together a list of multiplayer games for the Steam sale so that there, we have some more stuff going on for streams just to be able to mix it up some more. Um, and, and I'm going to start picking different games anyways, but uh, I want people to be able to participate in even more games. And, and Homeworld came up as being a game on that list. And Cube was like, oh, I have Homeworld Remastered. I've I don't. I haven't ever played it. Uh, you want to play it? I was like, sure, we'll go play it. So we played Homeworld Remastered for about an hour or so. Uh, have I ever talked about Homeworld Remastered on the podcast before? I'm not sure. Well, uh, the Homeworld series, if somehow you live under a rock and missed it, was a, a series of games that came out in the late 90s, early 2000s that were sort of they're they're considered classics you know genre defining for the space um real-time strategy genre uh they at the time used a lot of inventive things in terms of ui and uh vessel control and they had this thing where that all of your progress carried forward in in the campaign mode so um and it, it had a dynamic ai that would uh, challenge you based on how much stuff you brought into the mission, so everything always felt challenging. Uh, and sometimes the AI fucked it up, and sometimes it it didn't. So you know, sometimes you you would just get screwed over if you brought the wrong stuff in, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But at the time, it was really groundbreaking stuff. And the remastered collection basically takes everything and wraps it up in the Homeworld Two UI, which was considered to be the better of the two. Gives it. It makes it beautiful. They, I mean, they redid, redid everything. This is like a, a true remaster. They didn't just make it playable at modern resolutions. The game is gorgeous. Um, but I, I actually hadn't played the multiplayer in Homeworld Remastered. Uh, so this is the first time I'd ever played it. Their multiplayer system is real dumb. Um, it's very old school. Like, you create a room and you invite people in. And it's really wonky and stuff doesn't always show up right. I don't know why they don't use Steamworks or the the Steam multiplayer system. May not be able to be uh, hooked into it. Maybe that's true, but they rebuilt so much of the game. I don't, not sure why they wouldn't have done that. But regardless, at least it works. Um, so we played a couple of games, and Cube was <laughs> Cube was real bad at first because um, he hadn't. I think he said he'd played Homeworld before, but it had been years and years, and he couldn't remember much about it. And I beat him in the first game in like 20 minutes or 25 minutes, something like that. But uh, he figured it out. And the second game we played was going a lot better. Uh, it was a lot more even. And we were just starting to have some bigger battles. And then it crashed. So On you or him? It was me. I don't know what like. Oh, so what he won it. the second game. Yeah, by default, he won the second game. So we'll have yeah, to have just, a rematch. Yeah, just the universe yeah, blinked out of existence. Whoops, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm a pretty pretty big uh, capital ship player, so I had him beat in cap ships, but he was like swarming me with with smaller vessel vessels. Uh 
And so it was, it was a good, it was a good fight, but then so, I got disconnected and crashed. So and... it was sort of the, uh, Death Star strategy where, you know, you had this uh, absolutely massive ship, but it was uh, vulnerable to small fighters. Yeah. I had a, by like the 20 or 25 minute mark in and our second game. you looking for your thermal exhaust port if you do it. Wink. Yeah, by the 20 or 25 minute mark in the second battle, I had, uh, I was playing as the Higarans for anyone who knows. Uh, I had all three battle cruisers because you're limited in in the standard with all the standard rules to three. I had three battle cruisers at the 25 minute mark, and two or three destroyers, and four carriers. But I had no frigates. I only had a couple of fighters and scout ships and like one gunship squad. So, and he had just swarms of uh, assault craft and and fighters and bombers and. It's good stuff. Good stuff. That's going to... Homeworld Remastered, by the way, is going to be on the multiplayer collection. You can do up to eight-player skirmish battles, and I'd love to do some some RTS games. I've always... For stream nights, I've wanted to have some sort of strategy game for forever that wasn't... um, wasn't Civilization. (laughs) I was about to say. (laughs) Something that we could play a round or two or three in in a night instead of taking four or five or six nights to play one round. Well, uh, welcome to week 17. We're uh, in the Renaissance stage now. Yeah. That was the very first game we ever ever did streams of. Because uh, everyone from Kerbalcast wanted to play a game together. And somehow we were like, yeah, we should do uh, we should do Civ Five. I think yeah, it took us we, what? Th- yeah, then I had to go kill RoboBiff. It took us four or five sessions before Evan was just like, fuck it, we quit, you guys win. Because it was me and you that were like neck and neck. And we had teamed up and we're just going to mm-hmm. wipe out everyone else. And they were like, we all quit. <laughs> well, it also didn't uh, uh, help other people that... Uh, well, RoboBiff decided to pick a fight with me. And after the initial panic, because I, you know, usually the AI, whenever it picks a fight, it always has a, over, this overwhelming force just off your uh, vision. I mean, that's typical for Civ. Yeah. And it, it threw, you know, like three units at me, and then uh, I just uh, rolled across Africa. We were playing a real-life map, if I recall correctly. Yeah, we were playing the the world map. Yeah, I basically had most of Africa, and that's just an absolutely huge landmass. And then... We had two people that were in North America, one in South America. I think Asia was split up between two people. I had pretty much all of Western Europe and most of Africa, except for like one or two spots that you got. Yeah, because I rolled in there after him um, as well. Because we, you and I were both in like modern times or something like that, and they mm-hmm. RoboBiff was still in the Renaissance era or maybe... I think they had musket men. Yeah, that's so. what I was expecting, you know, this overwhelming force because, you know, obviously he's not putting his uh, time into his sign, so he's putting it somewhere. Yeah. Turns no out, idea you know, what he's, he's putting just, it into. Turns out he was just resource starved. Yeah. So, that was that was fun. That makes me want to go play some Civ by myself, but definitely not a six-week-long multiplayer match. Uh, I think well, the problem with Civ uh, multiplayer, and I, I realize we're completely off topic, but what else is new? Uh, is that the more people we get, the slower it gets because you know it turns out to turns into you know 
whoever's the slowest on top of that. But you also have a, a lot of talking back and forth and a lot of negotiating. And that, yeah, that's not a bad thing for Sim. But once you get past, I would say, three or four people, that really, really, really starts to slow down the game. Yeah, it really drags on. Maybe if we uh, started instead of in ancient times, started in a more modern time on a smaller map. Because we also, uh, I think we took my suggestion and basically went one map size larger than what they suggest for uh, our player numbers. And, yeah. And uh, added more city-states to bicker over. Which works yeah. well for a single player because, you know, it allows a lot more expansion, a lot more larger empires to uh, you know, square off. But then again, I usually am a more uh, military-focused player. Right. And I am not. I'm a science player, so... <laughs> I'm a lot slower going. I mostly just focus on defense until close to the modern era. Yeah, well, let's just put it this way. But, uh, but I think my most played uh, civilization is the Japanese. But uh, but yeah, the uh, Japanese are very, well, obviously militaristic. And their units, are, their big thing is, you know, they're, well, at least in Civ 5. I have no idea of Civ 6. Uh Civ five, they're always fighting at full capacity, no matter how many uh, units they actually have, you know, or how damaged they are, I should say. Which, right. Uh, which makes uh, for a huge advantage if you know, you're fighting uh, a lot with a lot of injured units. Right. Turns out they are very susceptible to one thing, though, the bomb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah. Uh, turns out Gandhi is the natural enemy of the Japanese. Who knew? The Japanese did. Uh, but the next game on my list, uh, Transport Fever. Haven't played this in a little while, but my kid this week was like, hey, daddy, let's play the train game. We haven't played that in a while. And I'm like, yeah. well, all right. So I yeah, installed like it. You, like you need to be tr- uh, uh, prompted to play trains. Yeah. So I installed it and started playing it again. Um, and there's been several updates since the last time I played it. And the biggest, the two biggest ones is that they did some pretty heavy performance optimization. Yeah, weren't you having some severe performance issues in late game? Yeah, yeah. Even with my i7, it was still struggling at times to stay above 30. Um, but they've done some... I, I haven't got to the late game on the new game that we started, but uh, in the early game, I'm noticing an average of 10 to 15% higher frame rate than before. So they've definitely done some optimizing. And then they've made some changes to the UI, uh, before you could access tons of information and figure out tons of stuff, but good luck fucking finding it and figuring out what was going on. I mean, it took me forever to sort of learn all the little systems and where all the information is to really streamline and maximize and all that jazz. Uh, but they've made a lot of it more accessible. They've put things in places that logically make sense for them too. Like you no longer have to go through three menus to set up an automatic renewal or an automatic replacement vehicle for, uh, vehicles on your line. So you can now just like, whenever you're looking at any vehicle on your line or even the line itself in the menu, you can just like tab over and it's like, Oh, replacement vehicle. You don't have one or you do have one and you can set one right there. You don't have to open another menu or another couple of menus. And then a lot of the information has become a lot more parsable. Um, they've just changed the design of and layout of the UI to emphasize, uh, like, you know, these are the categories, and this is what this stuff in this category means. And they've added some better tooltips and things like that. So just optimization across the board. 
So it's really nice. It's nice to see that they haven't uh, just left that stuff alone. Because in the original Train Fever, outside of just bug fixes and stuff, they never changed or improved anything. Modders were the ones who came in and fixed all that stuff. So they've... Uh, yeah, it looks like they may have added more modding support to this. Yeah. Yeah, the mods are, are growing pretty rapidly. Um, I I don't let download too many mods from the workshop. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, obviously you're not me then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it depends on the game, but in Transport Fever, most of the mods just add like different trains and stuff, which can, you know, it can be fun, but um, until they, um, I, I suppose some of their mod focus maybe is fixing that, but they had a lot of conflict issues with mods. So I, I kept it to a minimum to avoid crashing or hangups or other issues, but maybe they fixed all that stuff and can use a few more mods now. Most of the mods that I go for anyways just change the way that certain game elements work. Uh, there's one that slows down time progression. So that uh, that's probably one that I use the most. It just tweaks the scales of everything so that you spend more time or each year takes longer. Um, but yeah, that's nice. Uh, the Finally, the last game that I played this week was my only new game. And it was a, a game I got uh, a review copy for. Tanks versus Aliens. Um, yeah, this is an okay game. Um, it's a real-time strategy game. Uh, no, uh, well, uh, just from the screenshots, it looked like Tower Defense, and I never played it. I, do you have a review copy of it? It's it just, depends on which mission uh, well, you're well, playing. Well, let's put it this way. I had a choice between Tanks versus Aliens and Everspace. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. Uh, it's got... It, it depends on which mission. There's how many missions are there in the campaign? Twenty five or thirty, something like that. So more than um, three. Yeah. So uh, it says complete. Oh, it says right here thirty. Three, yeah, I was about to say it can complete thirty missions or thirty levels. Yeah. Uh, across and, seven different game modes and unlock uh, eight different cl- tank classes. Yeah. So I mean, it starts out and there are a lot of enclosed like tower defense style missions. Um, but as you progress through the different missions, you get different... I haven't beat the game, but you it does open up more, and there's some different things. Like, there's a, a one or two levels that feel very MOBA-esque, like there's lanes that you have to go down. So, in other words, it's uh, sort of the same issue I had with uh, uh, Everspace, where they're borrowing a lot of ideas, but they never really make them their own. Yeah, that's yeah. they're borrowing from a lot of different strategy-type genres, and put hey, them this is from, uh, well, I could see that the publisher is of uh, a very high quality, though. Yeah, this might be the actually the best game that they have in their their lineup, which is what, saying what something because it's what, not that great. What you're saying that uh, this is better than there's poop in my soup. <laughs> it's definitely better than there's poop in my soup. I and actually, super I, duper party pooper. Well, what about frisky business? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's tough. Frisky business has got a lot of. Uh, lewd content and lewd content goes a long way but i mean this is just it's a very average game and there you go yeah no this is just a very average game across the board it's a jack of all trades master of none strategy game where that it tries to do too many different um too many different strategy game styles instead of picking one or two to really focus in on and that really hurts it um plus it's I normally don't get hung up on graphics, 
but it really does look like it belongs on a mobile phone or <laughs> or something. You, you, you know, know things are bad when you're talking about graphics. It really does not look good. And they don't show it in any of the screenshots. Uh, is it in the little... Is it in one of the trailers? I have to check. Nope, they don't really show it in the trailers either. But the UI uh, is huge. It takes up probably 25% of the screen. Wow. It's got so, huge so, borders. So it's basically a mobile game ported to a PC. Yeah, except I can't find it on any app store, so... Let's see. But I, have a, I have a feeling this uh, developer is going to be a pain in the ass to find VR features. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's going to that's going to come up uh, well in the uh, uh, in Google. On the on the trailers, they zoom in and they don't show you the entire screen, but it really feels like you're playing an old strategy game where the 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 UI elements take up you know twenty five percent of the screen just so they don't have to render as much. Wow, well, I'm looking at some of the screenshots and. Uh, the pipe is uh, hexagonal on this yeah. one screenshot. You, you can see it's a very, very low poly, and uh, and I realize that you know there uh, there is an art style where they could make things more simplistic looking, but this definitely doesn't look like they're going for that. This looks like you no, know, it, it's just rough. Yeah, I mean it's you know, like I said, it's not a bad game, but it's not a good game either. It's just okay. It's a you game. Know? Yeah, if you got this as part of a bundle or it goes on sale super cheap for like a dollar or two, it's oh, probably I, I, I worth that. I was about that. to say, oh, found it, but no, this is a, I don't think this is the same game. Uh, no, uh, but it's the same name. Tanks vs. Aliens is a, also a mobile game. Yeah. Um, It's just, it's just average. It's okay. I, I'll probably finish it out. Maybe. Actually, I probably won't. I'll probably just run it in idle master and get the trading cards for it but yeah there's a I, i've just as i've discovered i mean i knew this already but as i've gotten review key it's like the all of the shitty games are willing to give you everybody review copies yeah. for their game and then the good games hold out for the better people which you know i totally get that but yeah which is uh, completely why i never get them <laughs> yeah um, I shouldn't say that. Occasionally, I get a good game, but you know, uh, a lot of what I get is sort of the build the road. Yeah. So it's like I said, if you get it as part of a bundle or something, maybe this, or maybe this is why Jim Sterling did a, started doing a series on just all the shitty games. Uh, is, yeah, that's the easy ones to get. Yeah, but yeah, if you get this as part of a bundle, if you get it super cheap, you know, for a, a buck or something like that, it's worth that. But it's not worth. The nine bucks U.S. that this is uh, costing at full price. Uh, it has <laughs> the the one like probably the best thing about the game is it's one of the only games I've ever seen where my frame rate is over a thousand. Like my my frame, I think the lowest my frame rate got was a thousand and fifty. It tends to hover around fourteen hundred, even on my laptop, which is not for gaming at all anymore these days uh it was still getting like 100 frames a second so on the bright side you could play this on a toaster <laughs> well what about a nintendo a, a, a nintoaster or have you ever seen people body a toaster uh, or a nintendo entertainment system into a toaster i've seen that yeah i i think that's kind of cute 
it, it probably on that. Of course, now the big thing is all the little micro uh, arcade uh, things. Or have you seen those where it's you know uh, handheld literally the entire cabinet? No, and, I haven't seen like, one of those. And it's like an ins- uh, uh, wide LCD screen. It's this little uh, micro-sized, uh, almost minifig uh, size, uh, or Lego minifig uh, sized uh, arcade cabinet. It's interesting. Oh, interesting. I just Google searched micro-arcades. Oh, that's cool. My eyesight's <laughs> too bad to play any of those, but it looks cool. Uh, that's when... No, 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 no. You get a monocle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go play some arcade games now and put on your monocle. <laughs> yeah, that's cute. So, yeah, those are all the games I played this week. A lot of updates and then one eh game. So. Well, to be fair, I had one eh game as well. Yeah, it was just one big eh game. So, speaking of eh... Yeah, yeah, we can move on to our first news topic, which is Take-Two CEO says that the company is under-monetizing its users. Actually, that's not so much as eh as ugh. Yeah, Jim uh, Sterling did a, his Jimquisition this week on this topic. He oh. got really mad. Really, really mad. Uh, well, trust me, uh, he's not the only Jim that's going to be very upset. <laughs> Oh, what the fuck? This makes me not want to get any Take-Two games whatsoever. And that's a little disturbing considering, well, uh, the literally the day before this article broke was the announcement that they acquired the rights to Carpal Space Program. And you can imagine just, you know, the... Uh, how this news has been taken in the Carl Space Program subreddit. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people who are worried. I would say rightfully so if they're talking about how, yeah, uh, I think the the term that, well, I don't think it was used in this, but it's a term that I've heard uh, over and over again over the years, is leaving money on the table. This uh, idea that if you don't take literally every cent, which the, they do say that we're not going to dick on dime people. No, we're just going to quarter you to death. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you leave any money on the table, that is you know, a loss for you. That it, uh, represents that something that you could have had, but you didn't because you uh, gave too much content or you uh, didn't uh, have enough microtransactions or you didn't sell the proper thing. And I think that philosophy is really going to come and bite some of these game companies in the ass. Because, honestly, if I wanted to be nickel and dime to death, I would play a damn mobile game. Yeah. Because, uh, well, I think that's where this is really coming from, is they're seeing just, you know, how popular microtransactions are on mobile titles, but they don't realize that there's a difference between getting a microtransaction on a free game or a game that was under $5 because I would say that's a good 90% of mobile games is under the $5 range. Yeah. As a matter of fact, anything that's over $10 is just seen as just outrageous on a mobile device. And having microtransactions in a $60 game, or have it where uh, your $60 game is not the complete thing, you have to get the season pass. And that's another, well, now it's going up to, what, $40, $50? Yeah, some season passes are already the same, the equivalent price of the game, or more. Wasn't it 
Battlefront that the season pass, if you bought like the the ultimate it, it edition of season pass, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I want to go back to the leaving the money on the table thing. Like, I don't know what it is. I, well, I do know what it is. It's greed, but it's so frustrating. It's like you guys make money. You make money. You just don't make all the money. And all of these devs are like, we want to make all the fucking money. Well, it's not the devs, it's the publishers. Oh, uh, sorry, the publishers. Yeah, uh, well, I, yeah. I'm the pu- I'm the one that uh, kind of lumps the two together. <laughs> you can't uh, you can't have you can't have my thing. Fair you enough. Start without buying my drink first. <laughs> Wink. But uh, but I just there have been even among general consumers there have been downturns on certain games and genres because they put these things in there they put microtransactions and so far it's not been enough to or they to kill genres just... just completely because they see money uh in a genre and they just uh, push it and push it and push it because they see money on the table being left oh let's just uh pick uh, how about the music genre yeah well of course you start getting into the whole uh, thing with licensing problems as well but that's a whole nother kettle fish but there was how many rock band games within a five-year span? Something like three or four. Uh, and that's not even counting the, all the little spinoffs as well. Yeah. That's just the numbered titles. Yeah. It just is so frustrating. Like, you guys make money. You make lots of money. We pay you lots of money for stuff. I mean, Don't. I think I see what they're doing. They, uh, they're they worried about their uh, operating costs. They're worried about that uh, games are uh, becoming more and more expensive to make and they're trying to see where the money uh, where to get the money for it without going over that $60 price tag but they're going to scare off a lot of customers well the thing is is that a lot of the money that goes into game development these days especially big AAA titles goes into marketing. wasteful things like marketing well I you wouldn't know. say marketing is wasteful it's just the thing is that a lot of times it seems like they focus on the wrong market or they try to go for a more general audience instead of trying to get their uh, the uh, core audience aware. Yeah, well, I mean, they'll spend millions of dollars on TV commercials and things. And it's like, just focus on, on your internet, on, on your internet marketing or, or, you know, marketing to gamers. Don't market this stuff to the general public. The general public is already going to do whatever it is that they're going to do like you want to try and get gamers from other genres or who are a little bit on the fence about something market to those guys don't spend five ten million dollars on a tv commercial to run where you're not going to get where where your return on investment is going to be a lot lower because you're marketing to people who don't own the consoles or don't own the pc hardware or don't own whatever or aren't interested because they're watching TV. They're not playing video games. Well, there's also the flip side of this is, uh, well, do you watch uh, Super Bunny Hop? No. Okay, well, he's another YouTuber, and he uh, had a breakdown of uh, what happened to Hitman. Uh, I think it was actually released a couple of days ago. And one of his big things was marketing. Well, uh, on top of the uh, rather asinine choice of, instead of having it in two halves like they originally planned, uh, bringing it up into seven. But there was also uh, uh, just a lack of marketing after the initial release. So they he they saw the initial push on the people that are willing to buy an episodic game, 
But then there was nothing really until uh, a year later, and then you know, you're marketing a year old game. But yeah, that's also uh, kind of the problem of episodic games in general is you know, how you deal with it. But it does bring up uh, the kind of the flip side of okay, well, if you miss the marketing push for the original release of Hitman, you're not going to really hear anything about it until the game is completely out. And that's over a year, and yeah, by then, yo, that ship has kind of sailed, right? I right. think marketing needs to be addressed by game by game basis, and not just a blanket. Well, you shouldn't uh, do TV ads because for so, it's something like World of Warcraft when it was in its heyday. Not saying World of Warcraft is uh, dead; it's just yeah, not in its heyday anymore by a long shot. Right. It makes sense for it to have a primetime ad when the expansion is coming out. Because they're trying to, you know, uh, get that new influx of people. Or, you right. know, get the people that's fallen off a while more so than anything else. But for, you know, a very niche game, it doesn't make sense to have a TV ad. So, you know, something like, well, let's use Hitman once again for an example. Hitman is more of a niche game. Because of just simply its genre, it's a stealth game. Right at, at its core, it's a it's a, a stealth uh, shooter. And I would also you could maybe argue a little bit of puzzle elements depending on you know, how you play the game. But that's uh, yeah, you're really starting to split hairs there. It's not going to have as broad of an appeal, so it may not need that mass market yeah you know, prime time ad. Right. Well, and I'm, I wasn't just saying like that that they shouldn't be advertised with commercials, but there are, I think, very a, a lot fewer games that should have primetime commercials or or you know TV spots than what these companies advertise nowadays. Um, I, I think a lot more of of your marketing budget, if you're still going to have this massive budget, needs to be spent in in better areas, advertising to the people that are most likely to buy your game. Um, but I mean, there's other ways to cut costs of games as well. I mean, so many games uh, in the last few years have continued or have showed or continue to show. I'm not exactly sure the best way to put it, but we've talked about this before. People want to buy games that that aren't just you know massive, flashy, as realistic as possible, whatever games. People love Stardew Valley. People love Minecraft. For God's sakes, Minecraft looks like garbage. It's not always about graphics. People want to buy into these other genres, and I think that companies could uh, either make a lot more money or save more money, or I'm not exactly sure the best way to put it, but release fewer massive AAA big-budget titles, focus a lot more on those AA and indie-style games. Actually, bring back the AA, that's a good point, is that you really see uh, really two uh, sets of budgets. You see the massive... you. 20 30 million dollar triple uh, a releases and then you see these small little releases you don't really see a lot of the middling in uh middle of the road stuff uh maybe you can argue something like everspace that we talked about before is pushing the double a uh, uh, sphere uh, but that's yeah uh it's uh, the exception to the rule yeah i mean some of my actually probably most of my favorite games fall into this sort of double a genre because they, you know, instead of having the, the money to rely oh. on 
these graph, you know, big budgets to rely on graphics to sell the game, they they double down on gameplay mechanics and things like that or storytelling well, that, elements. Well, that's the thing is that uh, the double A's are sort of the big budget niche games for the most part until you start getting to crazy pants uh, uh, territory like Square Enix, where right. uh, because. Uh, things like Thief, uh, things like Hitman, those are big budget releases that are just, they don't make a lot of sense to be big budget releases. Right. Just because they're a niche the pit, uh, appeal. Right. But uh, getting back around to it, uh, uh, Take-Two is trying to uh, just, well, really throttle the market. I, I think they're going to end up uh, losing a lot of players doing this, you know, just trying to grab every cent that they can and uh, personally I haven't gotten a GTA 5 or even really considered GTA 5 because of all the shark cards because I know a lot of people love uh, the multiplayer scene and yeah, uh, our little group is starting to get into it and I really have no interest in uh, getting on the ground because that's what the multiplayer is a lot is just grinding out yeah grinding out or buying uh, tempting you to buy shark cards, or just yeah, you know, hope a hacker shows up. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> and so, I just uh, uh, sorry, and, uh, and it just uh, makes me a little worried about Kerbal Space Program. What they're going to do with it? Granted, yeah, it, we don't know a lot about what they're doing with that, and I do want to kind of talk a little bit about Kerbal because you know that is our roots. But you know, it doesn't warrant a full blown topic, and it kind of bleeds into this a lot. Is that what are they are, are they're taking essentially publisher rights from everything I can tell because Squad is still in control of things and they're still developing it and they're still doing the expansion, but what are they going to do with this IP? And there's a lot that they can do. They, I imagine, we're going to see a lot of merchandising because that was the big thing when uh, uh, Minecraft got uh, bought out was that you saw started seeing merchandising all over the place not saying that there wasn't before but you know there was a huge explosion of it yeah i've heard uh, or have seen a lot of stuff um referring to this as like well they're doing they're going to do what like what they did with minecraft because i mean ksp is pretty popular it's definitely a niche game but as far as niche niche games go it's fairly popular and successful so it, it would make sense for them to buy it to have um merchandising rights and things like that and not touch it at all or have very little input because if they wreck the game and um, damage all the relations that they have with the players then they wouldn't be able to sell them future products that build off of KSP like a, 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 I don't know how you could do this but a KSP 2 or any future expansions that they want to charge money for or whatever uh, on top of the one that they've already announced of course right right but, you know, if they wreck the game, then the player base who's there is just going to leave. Or, you know, stick to the older versions of the games and not buy, or the, the game, and not buy into the whatever's new. So, it makes sense that they would do that, but I mean, I have no, I have no faith that they will, honestly. Yeah. I'd like to be wrong, that, but I don't. Is that it's very hard to uh, have faith when they're talking about wanting to make more money. <laughs> Or, 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 I shouldn't sound so negative. I know, there's a first. Uh, about uh, making money, because, yeah, that's what these uh, companies are in, in it for. But there's a difference between making money and just throttling people. Right. Yeah. 
And uh, I think they're pushing the line here. Yeah, I do too. But I mean, we'll see. I, I hope I'm wrong, but uh, companies and just like, just all of this, this history of things like this happening, most of the time they don't, they go bad. Minecraft yeah. is the exception, yeah, yeah, not the yeah, rule. Especially whenever the announcement, you know, it's uh, like every other indie game that I've seen or indie company bought out. It's like, we promise this isn't going to change things. Uh, I guess what? It's changing things. I, I'll leave way I can see this as a worst uh, or worse uh, thing just off on the outset without you know, really any other info was if EA bought him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because EA they have a uh, just a graveyard full of old indie uh, de- uh, development studios that they gutted and uh, yeah left for dead or yeah just killed off completely. Yeah, I think Minecraft really is the only yeah Minecraft is, coming to mind. Yeah, Minecraft is the only one I can think of as well that uh, Microsoft bought them <laughs> out and basically uh, yeah let Mojang just continue to do their thing. Uh, yeah, the big thing was that uh, Minecraft. Uh, saw their port to window, the Windows 10 store and, uh, and that was about it yeah well got anything else to add or is it time to move on oh well I think I, uh, we're lucky that I've had days to cool down because when I first saw this I was exceptionally angry <laughs> yeah you texted me the other day and you were pissed I could see it in your text message can you blame me uh, especially with the with the tone of it's under monetizing its users. Yeah, I might play some KSP this week before Take Two goes and fucks it all up. <laughs> well, let's just put it this way: there's a lot of people saying to back up uh, either the uh, previous version or 1.3. Yeah, I'm and probably honestly, back up 1.3. No, I can't believe me either. Uh, okay, dokie. Well, let's move on to our next news topic then. More than just skin, how hentai games are seducing new audiences. And this is a Forbes article, which is wonderful. Yeah, I saw this uh, uh, last week, uh, uh, late last week, and thought it was very interesting. Uh, talking about how, well, sex games and <laughs> sex and games are kind of tantalizing a new audience. And uh, it's something that Steam is really starting to uh, get on board with. Uh, a lot of the visual novels particularly are allowing uh, adult patches now and trying to, uh, well, tantalize and uh, titillate uh, their audiences. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, wh- where do you want to go with this? Because there, there's a couple of ways that we can approach this. I'm not sure. I mean, the the article is basically just saying, hey, to, to people who I assume yeah. their audience are, are non-gamers, like, hey, here's how the, the gaming landscape is changing a little bit and how that... Uh, Porn games are starting to become something more than just like these silly little flash games, or that you smack the boobies or whatever until the the penis comes. So yeah, I was a I think I was more shocked about this article not being sex negative because that's a, what a lot about uh, gaming articles have been is just uh, really talking down about uh, hentai games and porn games and uh, well, not even uh, pure porn games, but anything that really shows uh, more skin than you know uh, your average bikini would show. Yeah, I mean, I help, but we are also seeing a lot of changes in the gaming landscape. I mean, hell, the Latin, latest Mass Effect game has boobies in it. 
Yeah. Gotta play that. Granted, you know, uh, uh, there's uh, not a lot more in, in the latest Mass Effect other than boobies, but yeah, there are tits. Uh, matter of fact, it's kind of funny uh, looking back at it. The Mass Effect now is what CNN was uh, saying that Mass Effect was 10 years ago. <laughs> I'm not sure it's quite that, but it's well, closer what, what, for what, sure. Where they were talking about how it had full frontal nudity. And uh, I will admit that I, after hearing about this and uh, seeing this article, I went to look up what the sex scenes were. Because I'll be perfectly honest, I have zero interest to play Mass Effect in Germany. There's just too many derp faces and too much... Uh, blah gameplay from what I could tell to really want to dive into it, at least at this point. Maybe if they patch it and uh, after... I imagine that there's probably going to be some DLC for it. Well, they've already already patched it. They've fixed a lot of the issues with like the faces looking weird and the jank animations. Like, that patch came out like a week or two after the game launched. Yeah, but, yeah, they still have a long ways to go. (laughs) Uh, But uh, it's one of those things that it's just kind of strange how games are considered so sex negative because it is, uh, you know, a big part of life. I mean, it is literally the beginning of life. You know, guess what? Your parents fucked. Yeah, they did. And and who knows? Your father, your father may have actually fucked your mother. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> there was a. Have you ever seen Million Dollars Butt? The Rooster Teeth like no. What if game? Well, there's one where it's like. One of the thing, it's like the the premise is is like you get a million dollars, but something really weird or dumb uh, happens. Right. And one of them was like, you get a million dollars, but every year on your birthday, you have to watch the moment when you were conceived. And uh, one of them that was on the show that day brought up, it's like, <laughs> what happens if like you're watching it for the first time and it's like, holy shit, that's not my dad. <laughs> uh. But anyways, I digress. Yeah, I agree. I love that this is not a sex negative article. I'm it's doesn't really seem like super sex positive. It seems fairly yeah, neutral. Yeah, it's more just yeah, you know, saying, well, this is a thing. And yeah. talk to a, a couple of journalists about it, really. I think that this shows that gaming is starting to mature as a medium. Like I, well, I mean, I, I I'm not sure if I would say it's maturing. I'd say that it's more being viewed as more than just, uh, you know, jump on Goomba. Right. That's Well, that's what I meant. It's being starting to be viewed as more of like, hey, this thing has been around for long enough that maybe it's not just a toy for kids. Maybe this does deserve a little bit more consideration and respect, like film or books or whatever. And I like that. I mean, we've known that for forever. But the general public, especially the public who doesn't play games, I mean... I, I would assume that Forbes's demographic is skews a bit older. Yeah, you know, those people are less likely to be playing games. It's like, oh hey, I guess the video games that my son or my grandson or whatever plays, or my daughter, my granddaughter, uh, they might be tackling some adult themes. That's interesting. Now it is funny that they uh, bring up mostly Honey Pop though. <laughs> Honey Pop is the best. God, I love Honey Pop. Never so played good. it. It's a it's a cute, fun little match three type puzzler game on the surface, and it's actually like I mean it's a solid puzzle game with solid dating sim elements. It's not like just a garbage game. And then at the end, if you play the puzzle game well enough, you get dim boobies. And that's what I like. But yeah, 
I mean, we didn't have a ton to say on this. We weren't sure how long exactly we'd talk about it, but I, I agree with well, you. I'm really more, glad well, to it's see. It's more of a, a surprise that, you know, it's just really uh, kind of neutral. It's not being overly positive, but it's not being, it's definitely not being negative. And that's, I think that's the bigger thing, isn't that it's, you know, that they're talking about, it's that they're not talking about a negative light. Right. It's nice to see that this is treated as a, a mature adult thing, you know, a mature adult activity, hobby, concept, whatever, instead of just being like, oh, them kids' games have now got porn in it. You better hide your kids' eyes. Don't want them to see the porn. Yeah, I wonder uh, what game uh, uh, outside of Honey Pop they should have talked about because uh, I didn't really think about this. Is yo, know, Honey Pop isn't exactly the best shining example of uh, adult uh, content in games that, you know, is more than just titillation. <laughs> um, I would have liked to have seen them talk about... I would have um, went with something like the Witcher series. Yeah, I was going to say the Witcher, maybe Mass Effect, um, or... Or even just go into the visual novels, but, you know, then you start running into the whole, is this a game thing? Yeah. But, yeah, it's, uh, but visual novels is on that kind of... Uh, bleeding edge of uh between game and story that i think it could be a gateway to a lot of people well especially for anime fans though but uh to uh bring in more adult themes because there are some very very dark visual novels out there yeah there are and some are not even made in japan (laughs) true some of them are not uh cool are we ready to move on yeah i think so Excellent. Well, let's move on to our next news topic then. Uh, Steam Direct and upcoming store updates. Yeah, uh, well, and also the death of Greenlight, because Greenlight uh, were calling it on uh, the uh, 6th of June, uh, 2017. It is dead. Yep. I kind of want to do a little bit of a post-mortem on Greenlight as well as we talk about this. Should we talk about that first? Because, yeah, that's what's going away with this. Sure, sure. I I think Greenlight, it it was an interesting experiment, but it honestly fell flat because they never really incentivized people to go through it. So it was more of just who was able to campaign more instead of the general public sorting through and picking out the games that they wanted to go on Steam like Valve wanted them to be. Yeah. I think Greenlight was a really good idea that was very poorly executed. I mean, there were some great games that came off of Greenlight, but there was a lot of garbage that came off of Greenlight because Valve didn't curate it properly. They didn't have proper um, incentives for, for folks to go and actually check out the stuff and vote on it more than, you know, like you said, like these uh, whole companies were created to push Greenlight games and they would just yeah. give away copies of other games and things like that in order to get games voted through on Greenlight. So, a great idea. Just very poorly implemented and didn't receive the support that it needed to really make a concept like this work. Which honestly is kind of a history of Valve. You know, they have a decent idea and they don't really support it properly. So, they just let it kind of just linger on the vine and die off eventually. I really hope Valve's learned their lesson. Um, You know, we talked about this a few weeks ago when it happened. Or maybe it was a few months ago at this point. But... Um, when uh, Steam Direct was originally announced. Yeah, and they're saying they're committing to being more hands-on with things. Uh, 
and I really hope that that's the case. I mean, I don't know what their definition of that is actually going to be when it comes to, you know, when rubber meets the road, but I hope or they have green light. look at it every so often. <laughs> I hope that, 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 uh, green light and some of their other things, they've really actually learned from their mistakes. I, and I think they kind of have to, even though steam is still the biggest dog around, um, other services like, uh, EA origin and, uh, Ubisoft's Uplay, those are gaining some traction, as is GOG, and there's starting to be enough competition. Even though it's small, there's enough competition to prompt them to change. Well, well the thing is, GOG has a brilliant thing about uh, getting more people to show up. I mean, just look at the GOG Connect. Yeah. Oh, oh a matter of fact, the day we're recording this, uh, they put another batch of games on their on their Connect system. 40 games. And I could hear you typing away to get on this. <laughs> I should. I check GOG Connect every once in a while, so. Well, I added something like 16 games to my GOG collection today from my Steam library. Nice. And, yeah, you know, this is a huge gateway for them. And it's a, you know, a deal that doesn't cost them a lot. It costs them some bandwidth. But this is uh, something that they're able to strike with the developers or the publishers, the you know, depending on who's handling the deal, and to you know get more people to get on GOG, and this is a novel thing that you know they're doing, and Valve has to really really watch their back because they you only kind of just coast for so long. Yeah, and you know you can only also I would say you can only bleed out for so long, even if it's a few users here, a few users there, a chunk there, yeah. here or there to each of these different places. I mean, one of them. Maybe GOG could give them a run for their money in the next year or so. Well, but GOG are... is starting to get more of a library. That's that's the big thing is that you have so many alternatives to Steam, but you don't really have anything that has a combined library like uh, Steam has. Because you have Uplay, you have uh, Origin. Both of those are single publishers for the most part. There are you know, some indie games or some third-party games. Now you have uh, Battle.net, or sorry, Blizzard, that has, what, four games on it with the... Uh, 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 <laughs> uh, Destiny Two, uh, yeah, coming out uh, on it. Which uh, yeah, D- Destiny Two being on the uh, Blizzard launcher is a pretty big thing of itself. That's actually the first Dom Blizzard game on it. GOG is really the only major one that has a third party launch or a third a third party launcher. You know the uh, the Steam like launcher that has more than just their first party games. Right. And, you know, they they do have uh, CD Projekt Red stuff, and that is technically first party with them. It's the same uh, overall company. But they, you know, just look at the, what they released in the last uh, couple months, or just the GOG Connect. I mean, that's a lot of games uh, from other companies that they're bringing in. Right. So, yeah, I mean, Steam can only bleed for so long to so many you know, so many paper cuts basically Yeah. before exactly. they're going to wake up one day and they're going to go, Oh, we're not, we're not the market leader anymore. Maybe they're not in the last place. I could find it hard to believe that steam would drop below you play or even origin. <laughs> it's like if GOG is pretty close to their level, it's all of a sudden it's like, Oh Lord, what do we do? I, I, I would say uh, uh, valve wakes up before they lose first place. But what GOG, I, I think GOG is right now uh, the, uh, the big contender to be a potential market leader. Right. Uh, I don't think they would lose first place, but GOG would be a lot more powerful. When we start seeing uh, 
AAA titles releasing on GOG instead of Steam. Completely. Right. I think that would be the wake-up call for uh, Valve. But getting back to Greenlight, uh, Greenlight was just a, a, a really a dumping ground. It, it, and that's what I'm concerned about with uh, Steam Direct, is that it'll turn the uh, front page of uh, the Steam uh, store into just literally a dumping ground of whatever uh, person was able to cobble together 100 bucks to pay Valve. Because that's the uh, in fee, is $100. And then you have to pass some scrutiny, uh, which who knows what that does, because... Valve is being very hush-hush about that from everything I can tell. And you're done. Yeah. And then the fee is returned once if the you, game sold yeah. $1,000 worth of... Yeah, has got $1,000 yeah, in sales. Yeah that's, yeah, that's not a lot, actually. That's no. A, that's a very low bar for a lot of games. Yeah. I mean, if your game costs 10 bucks, that's 100 sales. So... I don't know how I feel about the $100 barrier point. We talked about this at length as well uh, a, a few months ago. Yeah, there, yeah, there has to be announced. a yeah, yeah. There's a definite uh, place where it makes sense, but a hundred dollars. That's that was also that happened to be the entry point for Greenlight itself. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's so tough. Like you, you don't it want it to have it too big I... because you it, because you start running into problems of the single man development team. Yeah, you know, not really. Uh, maybe not having faith in their game or maybe not just be able to afford it because, you know, it may just be someone's uh, spare pro- uh, yeah, project that they did in their spare time. But then you start seeing, okay, well, some of these uh, just essentially card farm games, uh, you know, they can throw $100 together and, you know, sell their game for 50 cents during a Steam sale. Right. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I still... I, I feel like 100 bucks is too low. I think probably, like... 500 bucks is probably the good mark. Like, all those... I think 500 is just enough for the people who are like, eh, let's see if I can make some money on this. Aren't gonna do it. But that's not so much that the one-man dev team is like, you know what, I'd like to give this a shot. I mean, I'd spend 500 bucks on something like that. I'd roll the dice for 500 bucks. But I'm not sure I would for, like, a 1,000. You know? Like, I think that's too high. But a 100 bucks, I mean, I would, you know... If I wanted to cobble some shit together and see if I could make a grand on it, I'd spend a hundred bucks on that. Why well, not? They, well, they also said that there is a thirty-day waiting period for developers that they've never uh, worked with before, and that's supposedly their scrutiny period. Like I said, there's no I, no idea what that scrutiny is. Um, that may just be an intern firing up the game to see if you know uh, Norton antivirus flips its shit or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, true. It, but it does have a, a. There is a very interesting time frame on this because Steam Direct launches next week, and the week after that is the Steam Summer Sale. So we're going to probably see a lot of games from developers that have already gotten you know, past that uh, thirty-day window, where you know they don't have to go through it uh, yeah. to quickly get their game out before the Steam Summer Sale. I'm at, I'll be shocked that if there, we don't see a just a flood of games. But I yeah. think the, I think the big flood is going to happen uh, mid July. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Because uh, as soon as it opens, there'll be a whole bunch of people that submit. Then they have to go through the thirty day waiting period, and then we'll we'll see a flood of games, and then we'll just ha- go from there. 
I would love to know what their scrutiny actually is. I mm-hmm. they probably won't tell tell us. Valve always keeps that stuff real close to their chest, but I'd love to know what it is just to get an idea of how yeah, difficult yeah, it actually yeah. is to get past this. Yeah, I certainly hope it's just not intern firing up to see if Norton flips it to shit or not. I mean, I think that should definitely be part of the scrutiny. Like, does the game? Yeah, launch? but that does it have uh, a no, virus? No, 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 no. Just to see if yeah, Norton antivirus <laughs> goes nuts. Yeah, just picking like the one of the worst uh, versions of the antivirus that I can think of, just off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, did they? Uh, I can't recall if they talked about how they're going to deal with uh, just uh, all the all the games coming out. How are they going to present this? Because yeah, I imagine the front pager is just going to be almost a, a like a a ticker tape of uh, games coming out. So how are we going to uh, see uh, categorization on this? Is are they going to rely on discovery or are they going to do something else with this? Because, uh, well, aren't they also supposed to be doing something with uh, curators? Uh, but they, I, I haven't seen anything about that lately. Yeah, nothing's been mentioned about that new curation system since it was mentioned. Originally announced. Yeah, which was like a month or two ago, I think. Yeah, and that was supposed to be with the direct system. Yeah, yeah, they were supposed to come out at the same time or real close to each other. I mean, I suppose they could just announce it next week or something, but... Yeah, which means uh, I'm likely going to have to dive into the curator. <laughs> Not looking forward to that. <laughs> because it's something like a year out of date now. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's real bad. Yeah, it's almost as old as the Jambalaya and Groove's crate. Oh, here it is. It's in this article, actually. They, oh, they it mentioned is? it, but there's no time frame, no dates. They're just talking about the system again. Yeah, Curator is also another system that, you know, they released, it's a decent idea, it needed refinement, and there's been really no updates to it outside of making it so that someone mentioning something in a Curator isn't automatically considered positive. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think they really counted on uh, the Curator system being used like it uh, has been, Uh, especially like the frame rate police. (laughs) Or... (laughs) uh, or uh, the censorship watch, or yeah, you know, the multiple censorship watches that I uh, follow, where uh, yeah, you know, a game uh, appearing in that curator is not a good thing, or may not be a good thing, and it's just something that they completely overlook the possibility of, even. Yeah. Do you think? Uh, getting back to Greenlight real quick, do you think they may have done themselves a disservice with how they uh, passed games when? Uh, they did, uh, whenever a, a class of green light games came out, it was usually 50 to 100 games at once. Do you think it would have made more sense that they did it more regularly, but smaller groups? So you're able to go through them and say, oh, well, that game made it. Oh, that's kind of cool. Instead of, holy shit, that's a lot of games. Yeah, they definitely should have done it in smaller batches, but more frequent batches. But then again, well, the, what the green light system uh, had uh, was... Well, it had one major flaw in that it was literally a popularity contest. And that yeah. there's games that was passed that were canceled before they even saw a, a, a early access or a, a version or yeah, early access equivalent version. Like, oh, let's pick one almost at random. Yogg Ventures. <laughs> yeah, I, for, I forgot all about Yogg Ventures. 
Thankfully, I didn't kickstart that uh, piece of garbage. Neither but did I. A lot of people did. But Yogg Ventures, I'm pretty sure, was a Greenlight game. Is the Yogg's Cast still popular? I have no idea. I never really cared about them to start with, but... Uh, yes, it was a Kickstarter game. Or, or sorry, it, well, it was a Kickstarter game, but it did make it through the green light system as well, and it never saw a release version at all. Matter of fact, I, I, I'm not even sure if they are still popular, like you said. Yeah. And they made a lot of their popularity on Minecraft, and this was essentially a Minecraft clone. Yeah. Minecraft clone with the better looking player models. I, I don't get yeah why this was popular. Well, outside of yeah, oh, it's Yogg Venture or it's Yogg's Cast Crew. Let's see. Well, they still have seven million. Oh, video playing. They still have like <laughs> seven point three million viewers. So I'd say they're still popular. Um, is there a way to view a history of viewers? Like, is that more or less than they had? Uh, uh, there is. Uh, I, I would have to hunt it down real quick, though. So, uh, chatter away for a bit. Uh, talk about green light. <laughs> I don't really know what else to say about <laughs> green light. We've we've said pretty much everything. I was getting ready to move on. Um, yeah, there could just be a bit of editing. Let's see, social blade. Uh, they've lost. 3,200 uh, subscribers in the last 30 days. Okay. Um, um, I'm having to dive through some stats here. I mean, they are definitely uh, still uh, popular, but their average views are on a downward trend. Well, let's put it this way, all right? This ought to give you an idea. Uh, June uh, 2000, uh, or 2012, it looks like to be their... Or yeah, sorry. January uh, 2012 is about their popu- uh, peak popularity and average views per day. Well, January to July, that the first half of that year, uh, they were getting on a daily view count three point uh, two five billion views. All right. Damn. Or uh, oh, never mind. There's one that's uh, three point uh, thirty six million. Uh, now. Half a million. Oh, that's a huge drop. Let's see. I mean, half a million views is still a ton compared, yeah. you know, for yeah. But yeah, but that's an absolutely huge drop. Yeah. Uh, July two thousand twelve. I mean, I realize you know this is a long time ago, and this is uh, around the time of the uh, Kickstarter, if I recall correctly. Uh, was uh, uh yeah several years ago now. Uh, July 2012, uh, monthly views, uh, 104 and uh, a third uh, million. Today, 17.55. Man. And they're huge on the downward uh, spiral on uh, view uh, on subscribers. As a matter of fact, they had one time here where the, where they, I'm not sure what happened. Uh, what happened to them uh, July of last year? Because they had an absolutely massive spike of losing subscribers. Um, well, I'm looking at a couple of old Reddit threads where people are talking about them, and it looks like they made some big changes to their, uh, wait, their wait, content. Wait, wait, wait. I wonder if that was around the time that uh, 
uh, Salmon was uh, calling out Total Biscuit. <laughs> Maybe. Because uh, they had a big fight at some point. And let's just put it this way. Uh, they're, uh, all their future trends are uh, on Social Blade are looking downward. <laughs> well, alright. Learn about the Oxcast today. Hey, who knows where you'll end up uh, on this uh, show, right? Very true. Where we go, nobody knows. Uh, I don't really have anything else to add, though, to the Steam discussion. I think we're pretty much done with that, considering we've moved to talking about the (laughs) Yogscast, a group that neither of us really care about. So Uh, we're getting pretty close to the two-hour mark on a recording. Do you need a break? or Uh, Yeah, I could probably top off water. Okay. Then let us take a moment to take a break, and we'll be right back. And we're back. And that's more than we can say for the player base of For Honor. (laughs) See that segue? I'm like fist bumping, or like fist, fist pumping, not bumping. Really proud of that. Uh, yeah, our next news topic, For Honor has lost 95% of its player base, which is worse than The Division one year ago. Yeah, quite the uh, ghost town uh, For Honor is, huh? Or yeah. has become, I should say. And uh, I'm going to play a little bit of Devil's Advocate on this, is that it seems like they're working off of mostly the Steam uh, stats, and that isn't 100% in the player base on PC, because uh, if you buy it through, like, uh, Amazon, you will get a Uplay code, and that won't show up on the Steam charts. That's saying, yeah, that's not, still not a lot of people. Also, this isn't considering console numbers. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, uh, focused on the PC version. Yeah, but still, I mean... Yeah, I just, I just wanted to play a little bit of Devil's Advocate. I mean, granted, you know, I, I'm... I may be incredibly harsh, and I may bash uh, Ubisoft left, right, and center, but damn it, I'm fair. <laughs> so it's very surprising to, to see you play, uh, to be a little bit nice to a Ubisoft title. Oh, don't worry. Uh, that's about the end of it, because they brought this on them fucking selves with this. I mean, I, we played, what, about two, three hours of the beta for this? Or, or sorry the uh, server stress test because I refuse to call that a beta. That is not a beta. That is a server stress test. You should be calling it a server stress test. A beta is whenever you're testing for bugs, not to see if your servers can handle... Wait, wait, wait. Why am I saying this is a server stress test? You do not have servers. It's all peer-to-peer. You have a a matchmaking server, and that is it. And in the... Well, I didn't even play the full time we played the... uh, the uh, on that stream night because yeah I absolutely uh, despised it. Uh, I was having issues with people teleporting and guess what? When this game released, what happened? People were teleporting because they were abusing the peer to peer system. So they brought this on themselves. But that's the thing is that in the end of the day, this doesn't matter. This doesn't matter because of one thing. They already have your money. It doesn't matter if you're still playing the game. They got you. Your money is already with them. And the thing is that people are going to uh, look at this and say, well, I'll just, people won't just don't buy the next game. Well, 
That's been proven wrong time and time and time again. Unfortunately. You know, Rage, as you talk, I, I get the sense that you're <laughs> holding something back. Why don't you just tell us how you really feel about this whole issue? Fuck Ubisoft. <laughs> well, well I... that is the thing, is that Ubisoft doesn't have to have their player base active. Because, yeah, that this isn't a MMO. They aren't getting a monthly fee. Uh, their big thing was the season pass and, of course, microtransactions, which, you know, they aren't making a lot of microtransactions if there's not a player base, but, you know, microtransactions are kind of the icing on the cake these days, or at least for Ubisoft. Take-Two, you know, wants to ha- take it all, but that's beside the point. Yeah. Uh, the big thing is uh, that, pre- uh, that pre-order that and the season pass. So you haven't said a lot on this. <laughs> I've just been letting you go for a minute. Um... <laughs> Uh, let me get it all out. Uh, uh, a therapy technique. Yep. Uh, I'm really good at listening, guys. Really, really good. <laughs> kind of have I'm to do it for a little. Angry. Yeah. Let me take a sip of my drink here, then I'll <laughs> proceed. I'm not surprised to see this happen. Um, oh, considering it's happened time and time and time again with Ubisoft titles, and the thing is that they still sell well enough that it hasn't become a problem. Well, for anyone that isn't trying to play the game, of course, there yeah. is a, the you know the oddity. You know, the division uh, did see a resurgence, but that was more because that they released uh, essentially the flavor of the month DLC. Because uh, the the big thing, uh, I'm blanking what they called it, but the division saw a huge resurgence because they essentially released a battle royale mode in their game. And that's become sort of the flavor of the month. It's uh, between that and uh, open world survival, like, well, Ark, like Conan, uh, like, well, as a matter of fact, I just got one that's a steampunk version of uh, essentially the same thing. Yep, that's the two major flavors of the month right now. And they released a DLC that really got that essentially nomadic tribe of gamers to say, yeah, we'll try the division or, you know, maybe got some players back that just happened to be in that group. Well, another thing going in the division's favor was that it, it had a lot more content that was geared towards, excuse me, towards single and cooperative play. True. Um, whereas for honor doesn't, I mean, it has its single player campaign and you can always <laughs> play with bots, but, uh, that's not what most players went to For Honor for. And the I problem was, the big that... mode that they pushed and put all the time into is plagued by people buying power through the microtransactions and things like that, which is, it's the big 4v4 mode. Yeah, that's um, the one that they pushed in all the marketing campaigns. Even though you would think that, okay, For Honor is, at its core, a uh, third-person fighting game. You would think that a lot of the push would be in the single player, or uh, sorry, the two player dual mode, you know, one v one. But it's it's kind of an afterthought, really. I mean, all the gear turns to cosmetic. One in the four v four, it's power. And it, I think the average gamer, if they look at two modes, if they compare them side by side, and they see one, they feel a lot more powerful, and they have that yeah you know, uh, cooperative play as well. Well. Uh, well, to be honest, let's be, it's, there's not a lot of cooperative. It's more just, you know, yelling at one another. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, you know, 1v1 where it comes down to individual uh, skill and your power turns into cosmetics. 
I think it's going to push people into the uh, 4v4 naturally before you even get to the whole, oh, I don't feel good enough to play 1v1, I'm, yeah, but I, I may be able to hold my own with a team. Right. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's... The writing was on the wall from the beginning. And we were... I mean, we were worried about it in the beta. I was a little more optimistic than you are because I actually... I, I really like the game and I'm... And I'm a be, wet blanket. I tend to be more optimistic anyways. But even I was worried back then. And they basically did everything to screw it up for the long term. Hell, you know? I, when we were... Uh... In the beta, I was looking at the stores like, I'm seeing so many places for microtransactions here. Yeah. And I was right. I was absolutely right. I don't want to be right. I hate being right when it comes to this, but I was. Yeah. Uh, it's just so depressing because we, we're seeing this time and time again with Ubisoft. And at some point, there has to be a tipping point, really. Doesn't there? There does, right? But then again, you know, Ubisoft, they do... They their multiplayer experiences last well for about six months or so, unless you're the division, which all resurgence or Rainbow Six Siege, which for some reason is still ongoing. I have you would think that that would be a game that would die off really quickly, but since it's a very tactical game and has a lot of uh, deep elements, usually that's you know kind of a, a death sentence for a, a shooter, really. Yeah, but they turned it around. They with some updates and some DLC and releasing some different versions of the well, game, also like they, the starter yeah, edition. Yeah, I was about to say they uh, went essentially almost uh, a free to play, not quite, but almost. Yeah, uh, that's like the <laughs> the one shiny example. <laughs> Rainbow Six Siege, and then yeah, you know, it's like stupidity over uh, stupidity over stupidity. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Anything else to... I mean, I don't... Yeah, it was just kind of died off there for a moment. We're, we're, we're like a Ubisoft game. <laughs> I mean, you know, like I said, I saw this coming. I'm not surprised. Well, well, you got I your think, anger well, out. Well, well, my, well, the second link in this, I think, is a reason why we saw such a, a huge drop-off was For Honor finally uh, slays Rage Quitters as promised with newly released uh, update. Dated... June 3rd, 2017. Yeah. <laughs> I think I found the problem. <laughs> hmm. The fact that they weren't punishing rage quitters in, in a team-based game. And uh, unless they dramatically improved from uh, the beta, I remember the bots not being exceptionally smart when it came to combat overall. And that that's not really, yeah, uh, that, that's not a detriment to For Honor individually because that's typically uh, how it is for AI in a multiplayer-based game is that the AI is typically you know, brain-dead compared to a player. But right. having it where you know, there's no punishment or very little punishment for a player that just drops when they're losing... Is just going to encourage people to drop, and it just makes it so that it gets more and more frustrating. And that's on top of all the other issues that For Honor had naturally. You know, it's uh, it's like they didn't want this game to succeed at all, yeah. doesn't it? Feels that way. I don't know. I think 
Actually, I feel like they really wanted it to succeed, but they focused on the wrong things. And maybe Ubisoft pushed them a little bit, being the publisher for For Honor in certain directions. Or maybe they just took the wrong lessons from other game launches. But Well, the moment that they announced that it was uh, peer-to-peer, yeah, that, that, that's no. But you don't do that with a multiplayer game like this. Because, well, I've, it's just asking for way too many issues, especially in a, a game that requires almost frame perfect uh, uh, dodges and uh, attacks. Yeah. It's the, uh, well, uh, the peer to peer system is the reason why I have no interest in uh, Destiny 2. Because, yeah, it, the moment you get a host that has a bad internet connection, yeah, that's just, yeah. You know, your day's ruined. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I've got my hopes up for Destiny 2. I love Destiny 1. I, I used to, I would have called that a guilty pleasure game, but I have no such thing as guilty pleasure, so it's just a pleasure game. You have no thing, uh, no such thing as shame. Nope. So I've got... B- besides, I've already, I'm already playing uh, Destiny. It's called Warframe. I'm just happy that it's coming out on PC. Yeah, I will say that I am glad that it's coming out on PC. I just hope it's a lot better than what my initial ex- expectation is. It's got more Nathan Fillion in it. That's never a bad thing. I bet you wish you had more Nathan Fillion in you. Damn right you do. Or I do. <laughs> I've, uh, Projecting, talk- aren't you? I've talked at length about my love for Nathan Fillion on Straight as a Pretzel. So, if anyone Ding. wants to go listen to that. D. Okie dokie. Well, moving swiftly on to our next topic, which this is probably going to be the lightning round. <laughs> yeah, uh, really. First, to- or first of the short topics, Battleborn goes free-to-play, sort of. <laughs> oh, Battleborn, Battleborn, Battleborn. Uh, the-, the game that has more champions in it than players. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I-, 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 I won't take credit for that. I've seen a few people uh, commenting uh, on uh, variations of that. But, you know, I couldn't pass that up, and that's and honestly that's still kind of the case. I've been keeping an eye on the Steam charts today just to see what the player base does, and they've almost broke a thousand. <laughs> yeah, oh, that, that's depressing, isn't it? Is that you release? Well, well we should uh, say what this is. Uh, well, first of all, Battleborn. If you don't uh, re- uh, recognize it, it's one of our whipping boys. <laughs> yeah. It's, I guess, a champion-based shooter is the best way to uh, to call it. Uh, think of it as that of uh, essentially Overwatch only with uh, more MOBA elements. And part of the reason why it failed was that they went head to head against Overwatch. <laughs> and Blizzard don't put up with that shit. So. Yeah, I think they released. A, I think they released a week before Overwatch did, if I recall correctly. Or yeah, within a week, and yeah. a lot of their ad, uh, a lot of their campaign was yeah you know, saying that yeah we're like Overwatch, but we release a week early. Yeah, that turned out wonderful for them. Yeah, matter of fact, I'm looking at the Steam Top 100, and they did not make the list. Yeah, I'm uh, since it's free. Uh, well, what the free part is, is that you get access to all of the multiplayer stuff, 
uh, and then it goes very League of Legends or like any of these type of games where there's going to yeah, be a rotation most, of yeah, the most heroes. Most yeah, uh, uh, according to uh, the article or the announcement, uh, there's a rotation of uh, six uh, champions uh, out of the roster of 30. And yeah, you're so. able to uh, grind out the champions with in-game currency. But if you want to play the single player, you have to buy it or get the premium currency, which, let's be perfectly honest, nobody really wanted to play the single player that bought the game. <laughs> but it was one of the major complaints I saw about the game was, you know, a lot of the uh, stuff was locked behind single player to begin with. As a matter of fact, uh, before you even got to the multiplayer mode, you had to play through a couple levels of the single player. And that just turned off a lot of people <laughs> right away. Yeah. I, th- I think that's pretty stupid. I mean, I would enjoy the single player because I, I buy games for single player modes like Call of Duty. And eventually I'm going to buy For Honor when it's like five bucks. And I'll play through the single player and I'll love it. Yeah, you'll, uh, you'll be like one of five people that's playing it. <laughs> it's fine with me. I'm not going to be playing with those five people. So what do I care? Um, But I do think it's dumb to, to lock multiplayer content behind single player. I having fact, to do single player. I, 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 they may have changed it ever since because, uh, yeah, Battleborn is... I, I will give uh, uh, them credit for this, is that they did continue to support Battleborn, even though it was kind of stillborn. Uh, well, just look at the scene charts. Yeah, it starts off great for about five seconds, and it just... The player base just plummets. Yeah. I mean, who knows? They may make it come around, or may make it turn around. Evolve had their player numbers jump up a ton when they first went free to play. They didn't have a lot of systems in place. I think they jumped the gun on their free to play. Yeah, uh, perhaps. But you know, Battleborn might be able to turn this around, going free to play and have properly monetizing things. You know, not cheating or uh, I should say fairly pricing things. Yeah, Evolve they had might... no uh, uh, microtransactions at all when it originally uh, went free to play. Right. But I'm looking at the Steam charts right now, and, uh, well, they went from about 100-ish players uh, with, uh, yeah, a dips over night of it below 50, which is just depressing, <laughs> uh, up to about 800 or so players uh, just today. So that is quite the improvement. Granted, yeah, it, you could say that, yeah, it's a 10 times improvement, but yeah, 10 times 100 is not an impressive player base. <laughs> no, it's not, but who knows? I wish well, him the best. Battleborn really looked like a much better game to me than Overwatch, just because I like the fact that it had more PvE content in it. But, well, the, the, well, you the know. major problem, at least from everything I read uh, uh, review-wise, because uh, I may bash uh, Battleborn, but for good reason. I read the reviews. Uh, a lot of the problems Battleborn had was with map design, where they focused a lot on choke points, like a MOBA game. But the problem is that they, a lot of their abilities was mass AoE uh, insta-kills, and it turned into just who could hold the choke points. And that's not a very interesting shooter. That doesn't work well with the shooter genre. Right. Even... Uh, well. Let's just uh, use a game that I know very well, Team Fortress 2. Yes, it has choke points built into it, but there's also ways around it. There's uh, ways to break a a good hold if you're a good enough player and you're good enough with team play. Granted, I realize this is a bit apples to oranges because 
Battleborn is also technically a boba. It has that boba element of uh, push pull. Uh, while uh, Team Fortress Two it doesn't really have anything quite like that, but still the elements are still there. The uh, the design philosophy for the maps are is still uh, plays a good part at that. Where you never have a singular choke point. There's always a second route. There's sometimes there's a third route, and that's even before you start getting into some of the craziness that really skilled players could do with rocket jumping and sticky jumping and. Uh, just being a, a sneaky, stabby, backstabbing bastard. It's just map design 101. Right. And th- there's a reason why Battleborn fell off, and that's why. It, it'll be interesting to see if they could uh, hold on to their player base, because that's the thing. Uh, that uh, You get a essentially a free pass on uh, marketing whenever you release a... a well, they don't want to call it free-to-play because they're locking the single-player content behind it and they're calling it some sort of trial, which is utterly stupid. You want to call this free-to-play to get more people attempted or you know, to attempt to get more people in. But you get that little extra bit of marketing from all the people talking about, hey, Battleborn went free-to-play or free trial or whatever. Well, if you're if you squander this, you're dead. It'll be interesting to see if they hold on to any player base. If they're if the changes that they've made over the past year, year and a half, or two years where, from whenever they launched, I don't remember the launch date exactly. It'll be interesting to see if they hold on to their players. Yeah, because I hope they even do. even the Battleborn Weekend. Remember the uh, the big talk that they had Battleborn Weekend, and they and uh, they never had a sale that weekend, which was utterly stupid because. That was the, their other big chance to get a, a resurrection of their player base was the players themselves were trying to have this big event weekend to uh, get people in and get people interested in the game. And the developer and the publisher refused to have a sale. They did a sale in, of the in-game heroes, but never of the game itself when it was still a paid title. Utterly yeah. stupid. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna download it and check it out and see if it's if it plays well. If it does, we'll do it for. Well, I'll run it for a stream night. I mean, you don't have to come. <laughs> Nobody has to come. But yeah, you know. I proved that with War Thunder. Yeah, but that's better for everyone because you get real mad at War Thunder. Gee, but, thanks. Well, it's better for you too because you're not you don't risk uh, run the risk of having a heart attack from your blood pressure getting so high. No, I was uh, starting to get my blood pressure high because I was also playtesting Everspace at that point. Right. Just can't ever quit, can you? <laughs> um, but anyways. So, cool. Uh, how about another Whipping Boy? Yep, let's move on to our next topic, which is No Man's Sky still in development? Question mark. Yeah, this uh, is more of a rumor territory because it's uh, someone asking on Twitter, uh, hey, are you still working on No Man's Sky? Because they've kind of gone radio silent again. <laughs> yep. And they tweeted out, yeah, we got, yeah, we're promised we're still under development. And that's uh, really a, that's it for one article. And then there's some sort of weird thing with audio tapes going around. Which maybe some sort of ARG or yeah maybe just yeah people goofing around or who knows what it, it, but it's also related to No Man's Sky. Yeah, 
But, I mean, there's literally no information about that other than, like, hey, this is a thing they're doing. Or, uh, that's the thing, is that they're not even sure if it's a thing that they're doing. It's just, they're not saying anything, but, you know, that's not exactly new for uh, Hello Games, because they, unless they're pumping up a, a release, they go radio silent very easily. <laughs> yeah. No Man's Sky is currently at a 41%. It's well, overall that- is... 32%, but its most recent is 41%. Still, better than Trump. <laughs> that is better than Trump. <laughs> Sorry, can't resist, can't resist. Can't looks blame like, me there. Looks like the last update they put out was March 27th. Actually, let's see. Steam charts, no man's sky. Wow. Wow. <laughs> What? 44-hour peak, 671. <laughs> yeah, I see that here. Wow. Uh, you could, I could see when the base building update launched because it went from 1,000 to 7,000 pretty much overnight. And then just plummets again. <laughs> oh, No Man's Sky. No, no Man's Sky is a damn roller coaster on their Steam charts. Let's see, the Pathfinder update was the most recent content edition, which was the one after the base building update. Oh, yeah, the, uh, I forgot about that. They put in the rovers, didn't they? Yeah. I, I was too busy not caring about that. Yeah, I didn't care about it either. It, it's, it seems like they want to have, uh, they want to build, uh, ha- get into the open world base builder genre like i was talking about before there's a lot of nomadic gamers with that subgenre i have no idea why that why that one genre just has this massive nomadic uh, base but it's there and it seems like they're trying to capitalize on it doesn't it yeah kind of makes sense cuz of the kind of game that they are roaming to and from a I'm game where you roam around look for resources build a base then go somewhere else, look for resources, build a base. I'm going to disagree with that simply for the la- for the second part of what you said. Go somewhere else. It doesn't make sense to build a base if you're constantly uh, moving around and exploring. Lots of these people do that. Well, it does make sense for the freighter, you know, the uh, the base ship that you get. But uh, for what they were touting, uh, uh, for most of what their uh, announcements were for the base builder release... They talked more about planetary bases and only mentioned the fact that, oh yeah, all this happens uh, to be uh, also available on uh, on this giant fuck off shift that you could get as well. Yeah, you know, it, it sounds like a, just an afterthought when that should have been the focus. Yeah, because uh, that makes more sense in the game design overall. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I don't. I mean, I haven't thought about No Man's Sky in forever. It's just kind of yeah. We haven't broke out the glue off. bottle. We haven't broke out the glue bottle in ages. Yeah, it's, I mean it's just falling off the radar. It you know. It uh, this is another its... one of those uh, games that sold massively and uh, just dropped off player base wise. I mean, yep. granted, you know this one doesn't really matter as much because it's not multiplayer. Oh wait, it's multiplayer because there's leaderboards. I forgot about that. Oh. <laughs> uh. Sean Murray, you lying sack of shit. Uh, but it's one of those games that there are so many people bought, so many people played the first week and realized, 
wow, this is a lot more shallow than I thought this was ever going to be. Then again, No Man's Sky was touting itself to be literally everything, it seemed. Or, no, I, I should take that back. They weren't touting that they were. They were letting people assume that they were. It never corrected them. Yeah. Which is just so dishonest. A lie of omission is still a lie, in my, in my opinion. And that's what I pretty much view how how Hello Games handled No Man's Sky. And I just wonder if we see another update from No Man's Sky, uh, will it bring back enough players to you know, make it attractive in a Steam sale? Or do yeah. you think that the, do you think they're finally working on that multiplayer component that they were counting about? Nope. <laughs> well, that's a definitive answer. Nope, and I don't give a shit. No man, I gave No Man's Sky a few chances. I mean, we went over it in depth, and ultimately, I just now nah, I'm done. I'll probably never play it again. It's a screenshot generator. Yep, and I don't really care that much for for screenshots. You know, so, if I wanted to play No Man's Sky, you know what I would do? Go to sleep. Well, first of all, not. But <laughs> uh, second of all, I'll just download Space Engine. Yeah. Space Engine, and then uh, occasionally fire up, I don't know, Minecraft maybe, or uh, uh, one of my many, many base builder games. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, 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 no. I know what I'd do. I'd go to Space Engine, fly around for a bit, then get bored and fire up RimWorld. Because RimWorld will keep my attention for ages. Indeed it will. I saw your tweet about your uh, your RimWorld, current RimWorld playthrough lasting for like six months or something, so. Yeah, yeah. the first episode of Dingy was in January. <laughs> nice. And I just recorded another batch of episodes last night. Not saying how many, but there, there was another batch recorded. Well, I'm looking at, the, we're actually going longer this week than we have in past weeks. Thanks oh, to our wow. myriad of news topics. So let's move it along to our last rapid fire topic. Evolve, that is the land software, not the game, is shutting down. Yeah, I mostly included this just for the trifecta because, you know, Battleboard and Domain Scout Evolve. <laughs> but this it, uh, is kind of important because this uh, is one of the mate, or uh, I should say, was one of the major ways to play older games. Because, well, before. You would be able to get uh, together in a group uh, in a room and evolve, and launch up uh, a virtual land and play a, a local, well, sorry, local and massive sarcasm quotes, uh, land game of games that either don't support uh, over internet uh, play, or have had their servers turned off and only have land play now. So this is actually kind of a, a bigger deal than just you know. Uh, laughing, haha, <laughs> Evolve No Man's Sky Battleborn. Yeah, we've, uh, we use Evolve, or we have, to play games like Factorio and things, because Factorio, at least in the, I don't know if they've added this yet, they say they're going to, but, um, didn't use Steam's built-in multiplayer, st- what is it, Steamworks? Yeah. It d- d- doesn't use Steamworks. Yeah, it was it still IP own... connections, right? Yeah, you had to, uh, use Direct IP Connect in order to play. So we would use Evolve to simulate a LAN and just play that way. Yeah, because it's a lot easier than trying to punch a hole in a firewall. Yeah. 
because naturally uh, routers will uh, bounce uh, direct IP uh, connections unless you set it up properly. And, you know, it's a lot easier to set up a vault than it is to just uh, you know, try to do that. Yeah. So this is a, a bigger deal than, you know, just uh, laughing at Evolve. Uh, you know, haha, Evolve's in the news again. Uh, but it, it's one of those things that, what was the monetization for Evolve? Uh, because I don't recall there even really being ads. I, I know Game Ranger had ads. I think they had a premium service that you paid for. Uh, obviously uh, not get, a lot of people paid for it. To get bonus features? No, we never, we never paid for it. And it was awesome and feature complete on its own. So I don't yeah. know what yeah, you actually what, got. I think maybe there was, uh, maybe there was a banner ad on the, uh, uh, I, yeah, now that I recall, I think there was a banner ad on the uh, software itself, but yeah, you know, it was one of those things that uh, it was so small that, you know, it was, you know, kind of blended in, which, you know, does it, <laughs> maybe that's uh, you know, part of the reason why it all failed. Yeah. I wonder if you've already got the app and everything installed for the I, program, imagine, will it still work? I imagine it won't because it had to, it, you had to have a an account. And That's it had, true. It had a central server that was a matchmaker, essentially. So I yep. imagine that, you know, uh, may as well uninstall Evolve because I still have it installed from... I think the last game I played on was Factorio. Yeah. But this but this is a big blow to the retro gaming community, mostly because there was a lot of older games that had pretty full or full of rooms, just room upon room upon room. I remember Battlefront uh, having a lot of rooms. Yeah. I, what are I know that Game Ranger exists. What are some other uh, alternatives Game Ranger to Evolve? and Hamachi are the big ones uh, still. Which Hamachi I think is a premium service nowadays. Hamachi. Yeah, I've already got it. Uh, looks like uh, yeah, there is a pricing thing here. Let's click on it. Okay, uh, Hamachi allows you to have up to five play, uh, five computers per network. So uh, there you go. But yeah, uh, if you want a bigger game, then it is a fifty dollar a year subscription. On the one hand, that's not terrible, but on the other hand, I would never it, pay it, for it. Yeah, it depends on the uh, game. But granted, Hamachi is more for a business oriented thing. Yeah. I mean, they do uh, mention gaming in it, but well, well, here's their tagline: "Log me in, Hamachi is hosted uh, is a hosted VPN service that lets you securely extend LAN-like networks to distributed teams, mobile workers, and your gamer friends alike." Yeah, very. Yeah, last thought on the gaming uh, aspect of it. Yeah, and the thing is that. Uh, that what Evolve uh, main thing Evolve had going for it was that it allowed for randoms as well. Yeah, you know, it had the matchmaking in it. Yeah, and I'm not sure if uh, the if there's a another service like that, unless you want to go to like a Discord channel somewhere and do that. Yeah, well, Evolve also had the best interface and and what I felt like the the most features out of any of these similar type things. I mean, it had full menus where you could go in and adjust all kinds of settings from audio settings to game settings mm-hmm. to matchmaking preferences and just tons of stuff. And it, it was all like free. Game Ranger also has a, quite a few of uh, 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 options that you could uh, log into different uh, random rooms. 
So, yeah, you know, evolve isn't completely replaced, or, or you know, isn't yeah you know, that functionality isn't completely gone, but it's definitely you know one of those things that is uh, we're, we're poor off uh, for retro gaming because of it. Yeah, there's only so many options for virtual lands before you start having to mess with firewalls and uh, evolve. You know, going the way of the dodo, as they call it, is definitely a a, a, a detriment. Yeah, I suppose we'll have to use Game Ranger for any future Factorio adventures until uh, until they actually put in Steamworks support. All right. Well, that yeah, was our last. Like, well, 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 I was just going to say, it looks like Game Ranger hasn't seen an update in a while either, at least according to their news. So that's a little bit troublesome. Oh, January 31st. Dang. It's been on a year and a half almost. Mm-hmm. Well, poo on those things. <laughs> I have to get the hibachi after all. Get out the fish. <laughs> well, before we do that, let's move on to our next thing, which is Community Corner. And look, the cricketer are back with the uh, mail bag. Or yeah. the empty mail sack. Week, uh, another week of Slim Pickens on that, but we did have a couple of tweets and the question of the week, so... Yeah, well, first of all, uh, well, let's uh, let's do the question of the week. Question of the week was, which classic video game do you consider the most overrated, and why do you consider it overrated? Kyle, Halo Combat Evolved. I think uh, the game is a fairly bland shooter, which is only a classic due to it changing its FPS genre staples. You're goddamn right. <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, Chemist said, uh, uh, responded to that, console FPS, enough said. Not uh, disagreeing there. Uh, do you have, uh, uh, I know you, uh, let's respond to these. What uh, do you think uh, to Kyle's uh, comment? What was? Uh, Halo Combat Halo? Evolved. <laughs> I could hear the. I, I don't. I mean, I really love Halo, but it's been a couple of years since I've actually played it. Um, I I think I would agree that it's gotten overrated over time. Um, what's got me so invested in the series at this point is not the games, but the universe. So. Yeah, I think I would actually agree with that, although a bit more hesitantly than than you guys would. But I mean, I'm kind of a Halo fanboy, so it, <laughs> it's a little bit harder for me to just jump all in on that. But yeah, I think I think it has become overrated over time. Okay, next up is Kim is saying got bored of uh, shooters ages ago. Uh, this one, uh, sorry, Half-Life 2 got bored of shooters ages ago. Uh, this one has not aged well. It may, be, it may have been revolutionary for the time, but it's a uni ass flip, flip today and groove, uh, chimed in again. Source accent flip. Smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> Which technically groove is right. You know, the best kind of correct. Technically correct. Yeah. Uh, which I, I could definitely see uh, uh uh, uh, Chemist's uh, point there that Half-Life 2 is definitely it has a, a lot of ancient uh, design choices but uh, 
which mostly revolve around ooh physics <laughs> because that was a very unique for half-life 2 was the, yeah a lot of physics-based puzzles which i know i know it, it, looking back at it it's kind of silly huh yeah uh and maybe the gameplay hasn't uh, aged that well <laughs> Mostly because, yeah, you know, it relies a lot on what is considered pretty much a staple or, or yeah, a very basic thing these days is, oh, you know, pick up that can. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I think Half-Life 2 is suffering from the whole when is Half-Life 3 coming out and being up, brought up with it, you know? Yeah. That uh, anticipation is putting Half-Life 2 on a pedestal and shining a brighter light on it than maybe it should be. And, but it was also the, if you pardon the Turner phrase, the source of a lot of asset flips. And, a, hey, and, and also the source of a game engine. See what I did there? <laughs> uh, that powered, a, well, pretty much all of Valve's games going forward. Uh, different variations of source. I mean, think about it. Uh, is there a, a, a Valve game that isn't a Source game? There, There isn't that I can think of since Half-Life 2. Or at I least a variation know. of it. I actually don't know. I think Dota 2 is a variation of Source as well. Or or the next Source engine. Which also shows just how flexible the Source engine was. As a matter of fact, there's a reason why a lot of games were were made in Source before Unity came along was that it is a very flexible engine. You could do a lot of things with it. Granted, a lot of people just ended up using the same damn crates <laughs> uh, for all their games. And that yeah, made it essentially an asset flip uh, title or the source of a lot of asset flips titles. But yeah, it's uh, really splitting hairs there. Something we do around here. Yeah. Bugs Bunny is not a fan of the podcast. So, be cool. Uh, do you have anything you want to say else about Half-Life 2? No, I mean, I got to the Half-Life party late, and I didn't think it was as good as everybody said it was at well, that I, point in time anyway, so... Well, well I played it uh, years after the fact, but it's been years uh, since. And I never played uh, the uh, second episode because I wanted to yeah, wait for the third one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Any day now. Yeah, any day now. Uh, so Be Cool uh, chimed in with three games. Didn't really give reasons for it, but I'll go down the list. The Last of Us, Diablo 2, and Bard's Tale. I could definitely see Diablo 2 if you're not a fan of the ARPG uh, dungeon crawler looter. Because that is a very niche genre. Yeah. Even though it has uh, given rise to a uh, essentially a, a subgenre of the ARPGs and the whole idea of the uh, prefix, suffix uh, idea of loot. Last of Us, well, I haven't really played it. Uh, I do know a good chunk of the story about it. I've played Last of Us. I mean, it's a good game, but it's nowhere near as good as people said it was. It just had an above-average story, decent AI, and um, for the time on console, it looked really pretty. Which really is all you need to be a hit on console. Pretty much, yeah. And Bard's Tale, which 
I know of Bard's Tale. I never played it. I've played it. It's not that great, but I mean, Bard's Tale is 10, 15 years old. And yeah, I, I mean, played it for uh, well, the first time two or three years ago. To me, it was just an old game I got for like a dollar on a Steam sale. Yeah. yeah I mean, all the uh, screenshots on Steam are four by three. <laughs> yeah. And Runs I- great on my laptop. <laughs> and uh, Jim rounding things up with list NES, SNES, and Genesis games. They just weren't uh, that fun, and playing them today with emulators really shows that. Talk about painting with a wide brush, huh? I agree with that, though. We actually talked about that a little bit uh, Friday night when we were playing Warframe. Um, they, I mean, they were designed to be the you best that they could be for the time. But, you, you know... You said Warframe. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, War Thunder. <laughs> uh, no, I was trying to figure out... Wait, did we talk about this when we were playing Warframe a couple weeks ago? <laughs> no. Um... But, I mean, they were designed to be deliberately hard to yeah, there, maximize yeah, playtime. Yeah, there was a term called Nintendo hard. Yeah. And, I mean, it granted, was, you know... Uh, granted, RPGs, uh, while simplistic, and you could... Uh, you would call them... Uh, if uh, a uh, ROM of, let's say, Final Fantasy was released today, you would call it RPG Baker game. Because, well, for one, RPG Baker, that's what, you know, the, uh, it's really uh, hyping on, or... Uh, going off of is the 8-bit, 16-bit era of RPGs, for the most part. Yeah. But it is, uh, you know, there's a lot of story there. There's a lot of gameplay there. Granted, it is, yeah, very vague. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it inflates its gameplay a bit just to uh, leave, uh, because of that mysterious aspect of it. But then again, this was also the 80s and 90s. Yeah, there wasn't the internet. It was uh, trying to figure it out all on your own, so I could uh, I could see it, especially if you didn't play back in the day, and you don't have that nostalgia. Yeah, but there's also you know you, you can beat Super Mario Brothers the original one in five minutes if you're good. <laughs> the yeah. world record is under five minutes by a fair amount of time, and I think a, a really good player could beat it in ten. You know, you know, not world record pace, of course, but, you know, a good player can beat it in 10 minutes if they know what they're doing. Right. So what's your answer to the question? Oh, I I have to agree with Halo, considering recently. <laughs> can you make another pick besides Halo? Since uh, I would have to really sit down and think about it. Okay. I've got two right off the top of my head. So my first is Final Fantasy VII. In my Final opinion, Fantasy VII is probably a, a good pick, but then again, also Final Fantasy VII is also launched like its own little sub-universe. I know, which is why it's overrated. I mean, it's not a bad game, but it's not the best Final Fantasy game, not by a long shot. Um, it's it's probably in the top five. I mean, we've had a, an extended discussion about the Final Fantasy games before, but I mean, Final Fantasy VII is definitely overrated. Um, and then my other off the top of my head, Super Mario 64. It was just... I mean, it was it was neat to take Mario 3D. Like, that was pretty cool. But there's just so much about it that wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Its controls were obtuse. The So much was obfuscated from the player. Like, it just did not help them out in any way. Okay, I just the amount of what? backtracking that you had to do was asinine. <laughs> I, I should have thought of this off the top of my head. Skyrim. 
I, there's just so much about Skyrim that, that just takes me out of the game and there's artificial limitations that I just don't understand how it is constantly on the top 100 list of uh, Steam. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I like Skyrim, you know, we, again, talked about this at length, but I don't think it's as good as everyone else makes it out to be. It's not the best Elder Scrolls game, for sure. Yeah, I should have thought of Skyrim right away. It's just I put it out of my mind for a moment. Yeah. Okie dokie. Uh, was, was that... Yeah, that is... Uh... Oh, wait, wait. We got a couple of tweets as well. Okay. We had a couple uh, from Billion Lights. Uh, this is uh, in response to our announcement that uh, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons will be our, well, is our game club game for the month. Prepare yourselves to cry. It's a masterpiece. One of the few games that are awkward with mouse and keyboard, but awesome with a gamepad. 10 out of 10. And I responded, place your bets on the number of times that Jared cry breaks down into a sobbing mess. Million says, 20 to 30 laughs, one serious onion cutting ninja attack. Uh, chemist. <laughs> Wait, we haven't covered it already? Uh, I distinctly remember having already shout all over that port. Oh, it was just a question of the week about uh, something about disappointing games. Might give it a, uh, one more look. Which, Million Lights, I think, is a way, way uh, uh, underestimating the amount of a blubbering mess that you could turn into at the drop of a hat, Jared. I suppose we'll see. I mean, I haven't played it yet. but Oh, I've I, I played it before, so I know exactly. I'm expecting at least two good controller dropping uh, crying moments from you. At least. Well, I look forward to it. I I always go for a good cry. <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably why you picked this title. So if uh, you were to uh, contribute to the community corner, you could do so by... Uh, for some reason, if you wish to uh, email us, <laughs> vglpodcast at gmail.com. Because, you know, the, the mail sack is a little on the empty side these past days. But it, it seems like the uh, popular way to get a hold of us is via Twitter. BTL Podcast on Twitter. Dot, uh, well, Twitter.com, of course. <laughs> uh, I, it's, uh, oh, oh, well, it is Twitter.com, so I just got ahead of myself. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we will uh, uh, comment or just uh, respond to your tweets. Like we just did. So, uh, Discovery Key? Indeed. Go for the theme song. I'm not. You are. You're the editor. You're the one putting it in post. <laughs> I know, but that's when it, when it will start. And I'm on my Discovery Key, and what in the hell is this? <laughs> what? This looks like, uh, a, is this a racing game? Yes, it looks like a racing game that looks like it. Uh, I'm going to drop this in the uh, uh, in my list as soon as I scroll up to it. Uh, okay. There you go. It's called Hover Revolt of the Gamers. It looks like almost Jet Set Radio racing game. It, it looks interesting. I have no idea how this plays. It's released uh, just a few days ago. Uh, well, about a week ago now. I'd never heard of this title at all. It's very colorful. I mean, it looks like the old Jet Set Radio games, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, a little more modernized. Um, yeah, of course. But, but it still very much has that aesthetic. And 
Jet Set Radio was cell shaded, if I remember correctly. So yeah, it still looks. Yeah, hang on. Let me check similar. out the trailer for this because I, I just saw the uh, the. Oh, yeah, that looks a lot like Jet Set Radio meets a platformer. Well, I mean, Jet Set Radio was a platformer essentially, but it was more of get to uh, various spots and uh, spray paint and then escape like, from the cops. This looks more open-world platformer-ish, with a, possibly a little bit of racing involved. It doesn't... Is this multiplayer? It doesn't look like it. it lo- no, it looks like it has online co-op. That's interesting. That's going on the wish list. I've never heard of this title at all. It's, yeah, same. I and, just put it on my wish list. And uh, the thing is, uh, it, it's, um, uh, it's relevant to me because it has positive reviews. It's currently popular, and but now it's on my wish list, and it doesn't give me any games that it's like. Yeah, same. According to this, two friends already own this game. <laughs> For me. Two of my friends. And I'll go directly into another possibly interesting uh, looking one. Boy, I'm, I'm getting the good ones, I guess. You are. I've gotten several shit games. Uh, I just dropped Tokyo 42 in. It's a an isometric uh, shooter. It, it's uh, relevant to me because I own Brigadier. It's a, a 3D isometric shooter uh, with a very uh, simple art style to it. It looks interesting. Oh, hey, Tokyo 42 is in my discovery queue as well. <laughs> Doesn't particularly look like something I'd enjoy, but it. Uh, I'm. Uh, well, you absolutely hate anything isometric. Usually, uh, unless yeah. it's unless it's the vanity. Yep. Oh look, it's another prop uh, pump game. Now let's skip that. Okay, now I'm starting to get the shit. So, did you get anything good in your queue? I've got a couple of games left, but no, so far I've not gotten anything. Lots of cheap games, asset flip looking stuff, like, but nothing bad enough to be memorable. Just all generic garbage. Well, I just dropped another one in. Mind Cubes Inside the quiz- the Twisted Gravity Puzzle. This looks essentially like a physics based puzzle game with the, uh, uh, well, the art style of Limbo. And it looks very difficult. <laughs> From uh, just from the fact that it has the uh, the tag "casual" in it, <laughs> and that's usually a joke tag. Yeah, it, it looks like a puzzle platformer with a physics with uh, a, a little bit of physics puzzler in it, where you're able to twist the levels around. And oh, there's oh, there was a game that I played ages ago that was like this. Uh, not this art style, of course, but oh, and I'm blanking on the title of it. It was a. It was in the humble bundle at one point where uh, you were. Uh, it wasn't particularly good because the, it, it was one of those where if you fell more than like three feet, it was instant death. And you know how that turns out with with uh, puzzle games, huh? Yeah, that's always where, frustrating. Oh, I'm, that's gonna bug me. Uh, well, while you look that up, I finally found one that was looks interesting. Um. 
called First Strike Final Hour. Uh, you play one of 12 countries that has nuclear weapons, and the goal is to build up your nuclear arsenal and nuke the rest of the world. I'm pretty sure I have a review copy of that. One of the trailers for this game is 50 seconds of nuclear explosions from like historical so, uh, archives. Uh, yeah, for, yeah, from the uh, looks of it, it looked like essentially a 3D uh, version of DEFCON. Have you ever played that? Yeah, I have. Okay, I'm going to give up on looking this plat- for this platform because looking up 2D platform on Steam is you know, uh, uh, exercise of futility. <laughs> Yeah, probably on Haystack. Probably half I mean, the games I, on Steam are 2D platformers. Hell, probably half the games in my library are 2D platformers. Yeah. This is uh, interesting. Yeah. First strike, final hour. I, cutesy nuclear war. That's. Yeah, uh, DEFCON had that uh, very, very. Oh, I never said. Uh, but, uh, mind cubes into darkness. Or sorry, into the uh, twisted gravity puzzle. How this game relevant to you? This game doesn't look like anything you've played in the past. Bullshit. <laughs> oh, I didn't look at how First Strike was relevant to me. As this game doesn't look like other things you've played in the past. As such, we don't have much information. What in the hell? So this looks interesting. What in the a flying fuck? Oh, it's one of those. What? Okay. Uh, uh, th- this looks like a very bad version of a lot of puzzle games that I've played. Or a lot of uh, puzzle platformers. It seems like I'm, it's the puzzle platformer uh, episode for me. I-, I gotta send you this just because of the protagonist. Alright? Okay. Uh, it's someone you could identify with. Sumo man? <laughs> <laughs> And yes, it's exactly what you think it is. <laughs> oh, I've got this marked as not interested already on my wish list. It, it looks or terrible. It, it looks like a bad version of literally half a dozen puzzle games I can think of uh, right off the bat. Especially, well, let's see. It's relevant to you because uh, you uh, have Tron Enchanted Edition. Yeah, it looks like a bad version of Tron. It looks like a bad version of uh, uh, Typo Man, which is a, another... Uh, game like this. It does look like it has some sort of multiplayer race mode which could be interesting. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's just one of those things. Uh, the trailer doesn't sell it. <laughs> nope. Um, so the other game that I pulled up that looked interesting uh, Disputed Space. It's a six, de- six degrees of freedom space shooter where you take place in fleet battles and you're like a fighter. But I have never seen that many pew-pews in a screenshot in my life. There must be thousands of laser bolts or plasma bolts or whatever they're supposed to be. Uh, did you drop a Lincoln? And that oh, shot. Oh, yeah, you did. It looks insane. It's like a, a 3D version of Akaruka. I'm, uh, I'm interested in this. And of course, it's similar to many, many, many games that I've played. It's only listing two, but I've played 10,000 space games on Steam. And so, I mean, it's got uh, Sirius Online and Atomic Space Command listed, but many games would fit this description. Well, I'm done with my queue. Yeah, that was the last game in my queue, too. So, I had well, two, and uh- you had four. Well, I had three good ones, and I'm putting Sumo Man in as a joke. You know, like, ha, 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 ha. 
Yeah, I didn't even have any good jokey ones. Yeah, so a uh, good week for me for the Discovery queue, at least. <laughs> nah, I got a couple. That's not terrible. I can live with it. I was right there for a second. I was going to get none, but my last two games were actually okay, If you got so. none, I was going to force you to take another Discovery queue. <laughs> Is that the rule? If you get zero, you take another queue? I think so. Fair enough. I don't think, I don't think we could have a week where we're completely empty on a queue. QQ. No, 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 it's Pew Pew, or at least that one game is. Pew Pew. All right, well, with that out of the way, it's time to move on to the portion of the podcast where I go first, which is where we talk about our stuff. Uh, coming up on my YouTube channel this week, this is the week where that um, Naval Ops Commander goes up. I'm also working on a couple of reviews. I don't know if I'll get them done in time. Uh, I'm working on one for um, Starpoint Gemini Warlords. Which, it's massive, and I'm going, this is too much. I have to figure out how to trim this down in some way. And then I keep adding stuff to it, so... I don't know. I'll figure that one out. Um, and while you chatter away, I'm going to get up and stretch for a moment. Fair Back enough. starting to eight. Okay. Fair enough. But, uh, yeah, so... Don't know if I'll get to those. I'm going to do my best, but... I've got a, a busier work week this week than usual. I have to get up at 7... Or, sorry, I have to get up at 6 in the morning to get ready to leave my house at 7 to be at a clinic that's an hour away. And normally, I don't even technically go to work until like noon because uh, I drive around to places and am out later in the afternoon and evening. But anyways, I digress. That's pretty much what's coming up on, on my YouTube channel. I mean, there's the current Divinity stuff, which I've actually been rendering on time properly, uh, that's coming up. And uh, potentially something involving um, Borderlands. Uh, Jim and Ghost and Cube have talked about doing some Borderlands playing together. And I might turn that into a thing, but I also might not. It might just enjoy it. So I suppose we'll see. Uh, and I should probably should ask them those guys first. Because if they don't want to do anything, then I won't do anything with it. But yep, that's what's coming up on my YouTube channel in the next week. Uh, and if you want to go see my YouTube channel, you can do so by searching for Gaming Psychologist on YouTube. I would love likes and subscribes from everyone. I'm just going to eat up all those likes. No. Uh, if you want to see me tweet about all kinds of random things, you can do so over at JMA4707 on Twitter. This past week have been my escapades with going through tech and building a server machine for the house. And also discussing about what sort of mods and hackery to do to my Wii U or breaking it although it'd be on accident not on purpose uh and then if you want to watch me stream games on twitch you can do so over at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707 i don't know what this friday's twitch game is going to be yet uh but i'll be tweeting about it as soon as possible also if you want to be my friend on steam my steam username is jarthur4707 i accept all friend requests from all people because everyone has been cool. And I meant to say this before the Steam thing, but I also do another podcast called Strays of Pretzel with Chemist, which is one of our B-team hosts here on Video Game Logic. And we talk about cute boys and cute girls and fun adult topics that are actually pretty serious about sex and sexuality. And then we talk about the cute boys later when we want to have some fun. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is 
Mango. I don't like mangoes. Well, I got the perfect timing down uh, when I came back with my ibuprofen. Yeah, I uh, I heard you come back. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, back occasionally just gives you problems, and well, uh, walking with a limp uh, it fucks up your back even more than you may imagine. Yep, no problem. I think I'm gonna actually just stand up at my desk, move my mic up, while you do your part, because I'm feeling a little bit stiff. And not in a good way. Oh, my. Well, uh, my channel is still suffering from the Halo bug, where I haven't gotten a proper replacement. Not for lack of trying. I've gone through, I think, about four games that I've done active recordings on in the last week. Let's see, I've tried This is the Police and just wasn't feeling it. And after Halo, if I'm not yeah, really feeling like wanting to play the game after about an episode or two, I just drop it and not even bother putting it out. You know, just not try to force it. I tried recording Darksiders 2, which I realize I have a bit of history with the Darksiders series, but uh, supposedly the combat in Darksiders 2 is a lot better. And I will agree, at least from the beginning of the game. But... It actually crashed the controller software, which I've never seen it do before. Uh, what I do on my computer is I use a DualShock controller, and I have a program that essentially takes the direct input from the DualShock and emulates a Xbox 360 controller. This did something to that software, and it completely locked my controller to the point where my controller wouldn't turn off. So... I decided, you know, maybe this isn't the game for me. <laughs> Tried uh, Metro 2033 and just wasn't feeling it. It's a good game. It's just I wasn't in the mood for it. Right. And, uh, you know, tried a couple other smaller ones and just wasn't feeling it. I think if it comes down to it, I may just go back and play something uh, like I've played before and... Uh, because I typically try to play games I haven't played. Because I like that first impression uh, ex experience. Right. But you know, I may have to go back and play something I've played before. Which you know, isn't a bad thing. Right? Sometimes you, it's good to go back. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it is. We'll see. But outside of that... RimWorld is seeing its six-month anniversary for the current play uh, play series, which is just astonishing. It, which it's past eighty episodes, well past it at this point. And I am starting my research on what mods I want to have for Alpha Seventeen, which is also eating up part of the time that I should be trying to replace Halo with. But also wanted you know have Alpha 17 ready to go in the next month. <laughs> and RimWorld is one of those games that, unless it, it suddenly ends during a gameplay, I'm still looking at a good you know, week or two past what I already have recorded. I don't want to say how many episodes I have recorded, but I have some. And interesting things happen. <laughs> oh, and I, I should say this, I should say this. On one of the episodes, this isn't really a spoiler for the story, or, you know, or uh, yeah, the story of the colony of the uh, the victims of circumstance in the town of Dingy. But I found that Groove, he was carrying around a crate. 
<laughs> I, I'm not joking. I, I found it just randomly. <laughs> I have no idea why, but it's like, fine, you want to carry a crate? Carry a crate. Let me just make sure it's empty and there's nothing important in it. <laughs> but, uh, just, Silly proof. <laughs> That's funny. And I think... If I'm going to use one of the mods I'm uh, thinking about, which is a, a bunch of holler, bot, uh, holler bots, uh, I'm going to uh, ask you size the name Groove and name all my holler bots Grooves. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, can a robot cr- uh, whine? I guess we'll find out. Uh, assuming I use that mod, I, I'm I haven't even entered the testing phase, which. Testing with uh, the amount of mods I use takes a while. <laughs> I'm in the build-up phase right now, trying to get ahead to give myself some time. And, well, Divinity is still ongoing. Uh, it's now uh, rather safely back, and we have a few episodes in the can. Granted, our last recording session didn't turn out as prosperous as we would hope, because, yeah, Jared needed a few hours to sort all his inventory and craft. Yeah. <laughs> But to be fair, you know, it, it, we hadn't been in town in, what, 20 episodes? 10 episodes? Yeah, at least 10 or 15, maybe 20. I mean, it's been a very long time. And the thing is that I'll also have uh, a pack mule by the name of Medora that could carry everything for me. Yeah. So my inventory, while a mess, isn't nearly the mess that Jared's is. Besides, Medora's just awesome. I mean, I don't think there's any uh, dispute of that now, right? No, she's definitely the best fighter in our group. Yeah, we are other, utterly screwed if she ever gets charmed. I mean, the other three members of the party are, are mostly there to support Medora. <laughs> okay, the strategy for this for this uh, boss fight... Heal Medora. <laughs> yeah, the last boss fight that we did, we discovered that there was actually a proper way to beat it, but we just brute forced our way through it by healing and buffing Medora. Well, Medora has twice the health of really any of our other characters, and she has more armor than any of the other characters. Yeah. The only thing that could really hurt her is uh, just uh, having her... Uh, crippled where she doesn't get enough AP to do any damage because she does a, a trickload of damage yeah but she was definitely a good pick I don't think any of the other characters I could have picked uh, for my secondary could have been anywhere near as useful as Bedora. yeah and to think you didn't like her at first I didn't she proved me wrong also she scares me <laughs> I'm still a little shocked that she has a uh, comment about Aru. You know, the fact that he's a cat and she doesn't like cats for some reason. I feel like she did, like, 30 episodes ago. <laughs> Who knows? What you have to realize, each episode for us is a, uh, is a little over an hour of gameplay. Yeah. So when we talk about, you know, 15 episodes, 20 episodes, that's 15 or 20 hours. Yeah. And we're only about at the halfway mark of the game. Thereabouts. Yeah. We're on episode 39, 
and then we're at, we were at forty nine hours of gameplay on our save. Yeah, so. which which uh, you know that's also behind the scenes stuff. Let's see. I'm just seeing what was the last episode we released, or I released, I should say. You are a few episodes. Am uh, I? The, the last one I released was 33. I think the last one I released was 32, so. All right, so you've caught up. So you're uh, now back to uh, the uh, Wednesday, uh, uh, Wednesday uh, or oh, sorry, yeah, Wednesday, Saturday. Right? Uh, well, what do you get? Uh, in lockstep, right? Yeah, I need to. I need to actually go in and schedule the the newer divinities. I scheduled some of my other content, but not divinity because it was still in the catch up phase. I, I didn't think about it. Yeah, uh, you almost went right past me. <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, we are really div- uh, enjoying divinity. It's just yeah, it's buggy as hell. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the last episode is out of sync. Uh, where we were having. Well, I was having a sinking issue of stats, which was annoying. Oh, Divinity. I, I really hope Divinity Original Sin 2, uh, when we eventually play it, because I think that's pretty much a given at this point, right? Yeah, we'll take a little hiatus, play a game in between, I think, or maybe a uh, couple uh, of games. Uh, but well, Yeah, definitely a, at least a few. Because, yeah, Divinity Original Sin 2, it isn't even uh, released until after summer. And I would say probably at least a year before we play it. Yeah. But I hope it's not as buggy. I hope so, too. And, well, of course, the Sunday Sampler. Uh, I have a couple ideas what to play this week. I'm Who knows? Maybe First Strike should be on there. I don't know. That's actually not a bad idea. I have a lot of good choices uh, for the next few weeks, and that's not even counting what I may get. And one of the games I win to play, I I want to give it some more time in early access because of a couple of features that it's going to get supposedly. And Jared also already knows what that game is, so I'm not going to say, and I, hopefully he won't as well. My because I like sealed. to be because I like to be a little bit of a surprise. Uh, but that appears uh, Sundays at noon, as well as the rest of my content generally at noon. Uh, well, except for uh, RimWorld, which gets two episodes every time, noon and midnight, well, Eastern time at least. And, well, this podcast appears on my YouTube channel, as well as Jared's Fridays at noon. You find all that over at Gaming with Caffeine Rage, or you can see me tweet somewhat randomly over on Twitter, Gaming with CR. Oh, sorry, stretching a little bit. <laughs> Trying try to prevent my back from spasming again. That, that kind of sucks when it does that. So, uh, once again, if you wish to uh, contact us uh, for some reason, send us an email, which would be lovely, by the way. You'd find us at vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, or gaming-related topics. Or you could just tweet us, vglpodcast, on Twitter. If you wish to help pay for this absolute madness, which we, uh, this week, right, uh, we uh, met our goal to uh, pay for the next year. That's right. I for- had completely forgot about that. I was going to mention that. Uh, yeah, I tweeted about it uh, through the official VGL Twitter. Um, but we met when, whenever the, the June Patreon transaction showed up in the PayPal account. I was like, oh, hey, that's enough to uh, pay for another year of hosting. I should tweet about that. <laughs> so we're good. Good for the next year. I'm going to look at renewal. Actually, there might be a well. We, well, we a, may not be good, but we're at least paid. <laughs> Fair enough. So yeah, 
that means the next <laughs> six months of Patreon money can be used for, I don't know, something to help us out. We'll have to talk about that. Yeah, we'll have to figure that out or just put it ahead towards the next uh, year. We'll, have, we'll figure it out off the air. Yeah. But that's patreon.com slash VGL podcast. And, well, it's getting the money for now. Uh, Podbean. Uh, our website is vglpodcast.podbean.com. There you can find our show notes and our RSS feed. Or if you wish to listen to iTunes or Google Play, we are there as well. And hopefully that's up to date because it seems like Google Play's had to, had some issues in the past. Our intro and outro music is on the ground. And our discovery key music is Doobly Doo, both by Kevin McLeod. And you can find his work at Incomputech.com. And as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. We're in the money. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Don't mess up. Hello and welcome. (laughs) That one's on you. Well, the thing is, you could have just uh, it kept on going. I could have, but it's hard, <laughs> like hard for me to just power through. I I At have to turn my attitude. music. I have to turn my music off when I read all of the opening stuff, <laughs> and then I turn it back on after I'm done. And occasionally, if I get on like a really big, long, drawn out topic or something, I'll stop the music so it doesn't distract me. <laughs> <laughs>